Hello, everybody, and welcome to Virtual Legality Live Xmas Party Edition. Of course, I'm not trying to get rid of Christmas as a name here. I'm just pointing out that we're going to be talking a lot about Xbox today. Don't they know it's Christmas? Well, yeah, but it's Christmas for us because we enjoy talking about this stuff. I saw that Lucky already put some memberships gifted into this chat. Thank you so much, Lucky. That is awesome support. Hope you have a wonderful holiday season. Everybody, this is a good time. It's good that I have my voice mostly back. For those of you that don't follow the channel regularly, I have been struggling to get back up to full speed. And thank you, Vintage Willow, for 10 more memberships gifted. What a day. What a morning. What an afternoon. Depending on where you're at, whatever your time zone is, what a whatever your time zone is. We've got a lot to talk about today. I'm so thankful for all that support. If you haven't been in a virtual legality live before, it's pretty much like a virtual legality. We're going to be going over some primary source material. I'm going to be giving my legal analysis, but we're going to do it with the benefit of chat that we can interact with, that we can ask questions of, that I can pause and take a sip of my water or my tea in order to rest my voice for just a minute, because this is likely to be at least a relatively long one. I don't think we need to buckle in for a six-hour stream on this, but the last time I said that, we had a six-hour stream. So who knows? We have three primary documents we're going to be looking at today, all of which relate to the extension of the Microsoft Times Activision lawsuit at the Federal Trade Commission level. The first is a New York Times article that went up mid-afternoon yesterday that talks about Microsoft strategies. And you'll see a lot reflective of what is in this playlist already as we've been analyzing Microsoft basically every day since the announcement of the Activision deal in January of this year. Uh, but we'll see how it feels for the New York Times to investigate it. They also get quotes from people like Brad Smith and others involved with the Federal Trade Commission or professors. These journalists like to interview professors about these various things, some of which are enlightening, some of which are not. We'll take a look at that article, which was prepping them, prepping us, for the Microsoft filing of their answer to the Federal Trade Commission complaint. Now, before we get into that, I do want to point out earlier today, I was doing a Hangouts and Headlines episode, and someone said in comments, oh, so that means that we definitely know Microsoft is going to fight, right? Because one of the things that I have said in terms of this analysis since the lawsuit was filed is the one thing I can't tell you is what Microsoft's appetite for fighting all of this is. I still can't tell you that because as we will see as we look through the Federal Trade Commission's part three adjudicative proceeding rules, law folks, they had to answer within 14 days or they defaulted on every choice to answer and the FTC could just take action against them. So this is not them electing one way or the other. We're still looking at an August date for a hearing on the evidence in front of this ad administrative judge, but this was a necessary step. And we do get to see the flavor of what Microsoft wants to present to the Federal Trade Commission. Very interestingly, as that New York Times article, which undoubtedly had a little massaging from Microsoft itself, suggested they want to play good cop. They're good cop. But, but... The FTC didn't just sue Microsoft. The FTC sued Activision as well. It's the way these things work. And Activision, as you know, if you followed any of their interactions with California it, during their troubles, loves, loves to play bad cop. So what we actually have as part of this three document set today is also the Activision answer. And to be honest, from a legal perspective, their answer matters significantly less. They would not be in control of the combined entity after the transaction, but it does allow them to go get into the interrogation room and say, well, my buddy doesn't want to say it, but I'm going to say these 15 things to you. And the Activision answer, particularly the executive summary at the top of it, uh, pulls no punches. 
reminds very much of Activision initially responding to California when they faced those initial complaints. So we do have a good cop, bad cop type scenario. Microsoft trying to play the genteel diplomatic figure, even in the New York Times article, which is reporting on the Federal Trade Commission suing them and Activision. Well, they don't need to feel genteel towards anyone because nobody thinks they are genteel. And that leads us to, well, what we're going to see today. With that all said, I did see some super chats. Thanks again for the gifting of memberships. That is so awesome. If you were gifted a membership, please say hi to the folks that gifted that to you. They're very generous in supporting the channel. And I hope with your new membership, you like some of the emojis and some of the other things we have going on on the channel. Let me hit the super chats that I did see before we get into it. Here's Uncivil Law. Kurt, fellow YouTube colleague, you could check out his channel at Uncivil Law. Cap on head, suits that's red, special night, beards that white. Must be Santa, must be Santa, must be Santa, Santa Claus. I, I like don't they know it's Christmas time for this because it is December 23rd. But for folks that know any corporate lawyers in their lives, uh, my wife, co-counsel, Mrs. Hoglaw, who may or may not be in the chat, can attest to this. Uh, Christmas time is a time where I'm always working seemingly right up until the moment that Christmas happens. And sometimes then. <clears throat> so she's used to this from me. She's a saint. Love Mrs. Hoglaw. Uh, but I'm used to working like this. Good to see you, Kurt. I hope you're having a wonderful holiday already. Maybe you're getting some rest and relaxation or have some plan in the future. To everybody else, you know, we're in a winter storm warning basically across the middle section of the U.S. Stay safe out there. I hope everything is going all right, especially if you're traveling. But I'm happy to have you here. We're going to have a fun conversation. I'm pumped. Here's Post Up, which I assume is Post Up BBB, which I called out as flagging some documents for me earlier this week. Let's go. Should be a fun and very educational cast today. Stream, show, never know what to call these things. But it's going to be a fun virtual gallery. Thank you so much, Post Up. Thank you for supporting the channel. We're ready to have fun. We're ready to have fun. We're ready to talk about things that are important. Uh, and I'm ready to do that with you all. And you actually have so many chats coming in so fast. I have to catch up here. Parallax abstraction. Bring it, Hogue. Hope you, Mrs. Hoglaw, and the family have a wonderful Christmas along with everyone in chat. Happy holidays to all. And not yet to all a good night. Maybe we'll end the show with that. We got a lot, a lot of journeying to do between here and there. Thank you so much for the support, Parallax. I really appreciate it. And a huge super chat from Katie Thompson. Very generous of you. Thank you so much for supporting the channel. Merry Christmas. Your talks are the background music for helping us stay sane with a family of three, under three. You have three children under three years old. God love you. Merry Christmas to you indeed. And you're the only talkie show I listen to thanks to my husband. I absolutely love learning and analyzing with you. Thank you so much, Katie. I really appreciate the generous super chat. If you see my face flashing, that's because my monitor has decided to make things exciting for me. Uh, and uh, it has occasionally, just since a Windows update a little while ago, decided that it needs to snooze, even while I'm in the middle of a broadcast. Uh, so we'll try to fight that with you. But uh, it's it's just adding a little bit of the drama and the tension to try to keep things going. Got to gotta keep the hand working. David Wu with the super chat. Thanks for the channel. Happy Christmas and holiday season. Very generous of you. Thank you so much. You all are so generous. You're not letting me get to the substance of the material. So I don't want to keep everybody in the chat away. There's already 629 of you here. If you want to throw a like down at the top here, I can promise you you're going to like this. This is going to be a fun one uh, for everybody. We've also got Patreon, Utreon, Super Chats, as you can see, YouTube membership, all the good stuff that helps this channel stay running. Hate doing that. I, I'm much better at promoting other channels when I'm on other people's uh, uh, shows. Uh, but I, I do want to make sure that uh, folks know that I appreciate the support. I am so, so thankful 
It's a wonderful season. You guys are all fantastic. And I love having these conversations here. So let's, let's start talking about some of the substance here because we do have this New York Times article that says Microsoft gambles a nice guy strategy to close Activision mega deal. And it's big. There's a lot of money being spent, but I do love it when uh, journalists and anybody talking about these particular issues say things like mega deal. Federal regulators have sued to block this $69 billion acquisition, near $69 billion, we can be precise. But the company has settled on a path forward and is preparing to force the issue. It's interesting, right? Are they forcing the issue? They've been sued. I, I think the FTC forced the issue. Uh, I, I think Microsoft is responding uh, but the FTC forced this issue. You can see here, we've got a dateline of yesterday, December 22nd. I only highlighted it here as a kind of reference to Hangouts and Headlines. For whatever reason, I don't know when this started in the world of online reporting, but this article that we've got in front of us, as it stands right now at 11 a.m. on the 23rd of December, 2022, is not quite the same article that it was when I initially read it yesterday afternoon. And it, that the changes are minor, but I used to think that all of these places, the New York Times, the paper of record, our intellectual betters, I'm sure they would tell you, would say when they update an article, right? This is an updated article. We've got places that are much lower on the totem pole in terms of where they operate on the internet that tell you when they have updated their substance and their content. Anyway, it doesn't matter. What they changed here in this article was that they used to say Microsoft was planning to file their response and it changed to they did file the response and has some quotes there. So is what it is. Early this month, Brad Smith, Microsoft's president, met with Lena Khan, star of Virtual Legality and the Hoglaw YouTube channel at this point, the chair of the Federal Trade Commission to push for regulatory approval. As a side note here in terms of language, I really do prefer chairperson. I understand that Lena Khan is female, so chairman is inapplicable. Chair still sounds like an object to me. I don't, I don't like chair as a reference here. So she's the chairperson of the Federal Trade Commission or chairwoman, either way. Uh, and Brad Smith met with her to push for regulatory approval of the video game. Mr. Smith's gambit failed. <laughs> uh, you never know if it failed, really. It's a constant battle. It's a negotiation. They're still massaging the relationship with the Federal Trade Commission as it moves forward. It certainly didn't prevent the lawsuit from being filed. Mm, is that a failure? Of a kind. But in an interview this week, Mr. Smith was sanguine. She did not take me up on my offer. But when I said, give peace a chance, she smiled at least a little. So anytime somebody can end a meeting by smiling even a little, there's always a little hope that we can sit down together in the future. <laughs> so you can tell just from these interview quotes and these uh, various press releases that we've reviewed from Microsoft over the course of the entire year, that Brad Smith is this kind of political character, right? You, this is the quote that you give with a little wink, with a little glimmer in your eye. Well, she smiled a little at the end. You know these folks, if you've ever worked remotely close to politics in any capacity. Uh, and that's his job, right? He's the chief kind of lobbyist type person internal to Microsoft who is having these conversations with higher ups in agencies across the country with senators. And so you want somebody with that demeanor, but you could see I, this quote doesn't mean anything, but you get a little vibe uh, for what the character is. Uh, excuse me with a super chat says, very interestingly, I work at one of the companies involved in this merger and a bunch of us follow this channel because it is a head of internal reporting on this. Thanks, Hug. Ooh, that's nice of you to say. Okay, well, folks, Bobby, Phil, 
I hope this is an enjoyable stream for you all as well. You're paying the big time lawyers to file these documents. I'm just going to analyze them from afar. Although there are a couple of statements, maybe I'll remember them when we get to them in these documents where they make a claim that is very similar to the way I structured a claim in virtual legality. And that doesn't, that doesn't mean they're watching virtual legality folks. It just means that lawyers generally think of things in similar ways, especially if they've seen these arguments uh, a number of times. And I am waiting I'm waiting for one of these documents to have a virtual legality episode as a footnote and to either dive embarrassment or victory. Don't know. Uh, but it, uh, it, it, there are some that are very, very close. Uh, and uh, it's been my great pleasure to see virtual legality episodes in various places cited in things like law reviews. <laughs> so you never know. I think we haven't been cited in a lawsuit yet, but who knows? I really appreciate it. Excuse me. And thank you for letting me know. Uh, if you are at Microsoft or Activision, Godspeed. I know what it's like to be in limbo on these things. Uh, and so it's going to be a while yet, but I'm very happy to be your guide through this journey, hopefully. So thank you. I really appreciate it. Uh, and uh, it's it's going to be a fun one today. Definitely. Andrew Benton, Elevation Films. Interested to hear your thoughts on Microsoft accusing the FTC of violating the Constitution. Oh, oh, oh we'll get there. Oh, we will so get there. Oh, and it's both Microsoft and Activision, by the way. There is a certain amount of collaboration you can tell between the documents. Um, and uh, we will definitely get there because Microsoft just shot across the bow and said, hey, FTC, you know that Supreme Court? They might have they might have a little something for us very, very soon. So we'll see you when we see you. Uh, it's a good time. We will definitely cover that portion of the document. We're here for it all. It's going to be a great Great time. Thank you so much for the super chats. I will try to grab them when they come in so that I don't miss them. I'm not trying to get in the middle of these documents, folks, who aren't otherwise super chatting, nor am I trying to encourage people to have to super chat to talk to me. I just want to make sure the people that are doing that to support the channel uh, get get the attention they deserve and that I'm able to answer the questions if I can. Uh, so we'll be doing that throughout. It also gives me a chance to kind of separate from the, the flow of reading these documents and uh, gives my my voice a chance to uh, to stop for a second. Okay, so this is the uh, the Santa figure, Brad Smith, with the with the twinkle in his eye, uh, only apt here for December twenty third, uh, saying, "Well, I got a little smile out of her. You never know where that can lead." Mr. Smith's peacemaking comments reflect how Microsoft intends to approach the next phase of its deal. Far from giving up on the acquisition, he said. So this is indicating that Brad Smith is presenting to the New York Times major paper in the United States, that they're not going to give up on the acquisition. So that's at least a presentment of a position for Microsoft. I will tell you candidly, that could change tomorrow. That not, might not even be the full truth, depending on what they're looking at internally. But that's what they want to have go out there in the public's mind right now. The company intends to gamble that its nice guy strategy could still work. And we won't go through it so much in this article, but the New York Times in the back half of this spends a number of paragraphs talking about Brad Smith getting the job at Microsoft in the early 2000s. Microsoft coming off of, at least relatively speaking, the 1990s troubles with antitrust and the various complaints that people had about Internet Explorer and Windows and things along those lines, and that Brad Smith effectively came in to portray Microsoft as a better corporate citizen and nice guy actor in this space. Welcome to Spartan P451 as a member. Appreciate you. Hope you have a great time here. And that's a part of this entire story. Now, this is framing. Right? We talk about this all the time in Hangouts and Headlines. Microsoft wants this framing. New York Times gave it to them. We don't have to take this as if it's sacrosanct. We don't have to take a New York Times report somehow as truth, uh, but we can evaluate it as it's presented here. In one plan, Microsoft hopes to win over regulators in Europe. People familiar with the approach said, 
European approval of the Activision deal could force U.S. officials to reach a settlement allowing for the acquisition to move forward. Now, this paragraph has a couple of problems. I think the best way to frame this, and in terms of people familiar with the approach, I, that's, that's something we have to take with a grain of salt for anonymous sources, period, because honestly, I don't know where that ends. I could count as someone familiar with the approach, even just in covering the fact that Microsoft has had leaked that they are approaching the European Union to go talk about getting remedies. If they do get remedies, if the CMA and the European Commission were to somehow allow this straight up, good morning, Rob, hope you're having a good one today, then yes, it would put political pressure on the FTC to not move forward with what already feels like a very weak argument against Microsoft. But I, I do object to the use of the word force. Ain't nothing's going to force the FTC to do anything. Even at the end of all things, the Supreme Court could come down in the FTC and they're still going to grouse about whether or not that decision was right, if they truly disagree with it. Europe and the UK, if they decide to say, you know what, you're right, Microsoft, this deal should go through, that would put an incredible amount of pressure on the Federal Trade Commission to drop or otherwise settle their complaint with Microsoft. It wouldn't force them. And that might seem pedantic, and maybe it is. I'm a lawyer. I read headlines closely and things along those lines. But I do think we have to be careful with this. When this is being written for people that aren't sitting with me, aren't sitting here talking to me uh, about what these things mean. So at no level will the FTC be forced to do anything based on what happens in Europe. So don't spread that message out online if you would be so kind. Microsoft filed its response with, to the FTC lawsuit on Thursday. This whole thing changed. It used to say they were going to. Giving consumers high quality content in more ways and at lower prices is what the antitrust laws are supposed to promote, not prevent. We'll get there, folks. We'll get there. That's why we're here. We're hanging out on Christmas. We'll get there. John Newman, the deputy director of the FTC's Competition Bureau. That's right. There are bureaus within the agency commissions. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Said in a Thursday night statement that it was confident in our case and look forward to presenting it at trial. Now, on the one hand, you can see that anybody that's involved in a case on any type of situation says this. I'm confident in my case. Otherwise, I wouldn't be bringing it. I wouldn't be a party to it. And outside of the government kind of rubric, a lot of the times you can believe them because it costs money to go and bring a case. It costs resources and time. FTCs may be a little bit different ball of wax. I'm not trying to throw them under any particular bus, but they aren't spending their money, right? They are spending taxpayer money, which is what they are supposed to be doing. That's what powers have been given to them by Congress, but it does create a slightly different economic stance here. And we would expect him to say this. I will say candidly, I, I don't I don't believe him. I, I don't think if you had a truth serum and you were going to take the FTC's leading lawyers and put them in a room that they believe that this is a strong case. This is a home run attempt. This is an attempt to change the way the antitrust laws are read and interpreted for prospectively this action, but also future action that the Federal Trade Commission might want to undertake on the premises, as we've talked about before, that Lena Khan's Federal Trade Commission believes that aggression is important for the enforcement of antitrust laws. That's a policy prescription. You can agree or disagree with that. And that regardless of what current jurisprudence, how courts have decided on this says, they're willing to bring bad cases to try to test where the lines are. So this is a bad case. Okay, I'm, I'm just going to tell you that that's an opinion that's editorializing. You can say Rick's an idiot. You can make a Reddit post about it. Believe me, there's plenty about Rick being an idiot on Reddit. So you can do that if you like. I will tell you my opinion is that this is an extraordinarily weak case designed to see how far they can go uh, with this kind of thing. So yeah, they're confident in presenting a trial. Probably not. Probably not, I would offer. Continuing with the New York Times article, the Federal Trade Commission lawsuit is a landmark in a new era of government scrutiny 
of the biggest tech companies. It's certainly large. Ms. Khan has staked an aggressive trust-busting agenda on the case, which legal experts said might be difficult to win. Did they now? I didn't link to this New York Times article, but it, it will be. It will be difficult to win. It's a, it's a very tricky argument that they have made with markets that don't exist uh, based on premises that we have not seen explored before. Uh, and so good luck to you, Federal Trade Commission. But it is a weak case. There's, there's really no question in my mind. Then we get quotes from a broker, what they call a portfolio manager here. And they say they will fight it. A portfolio manager at Becker Capital, which, invest, which invests in Microsoft, says it's a bit more above and beyond this deal. It's also a statement to the FTC with Microsoft sitting on more than a hundred billion dollars to spend. He added they don't want to back down now and they have every and then have every acquisition shot down. So the premise here and I have to point out this is not anybody with inside information. Uh, yes, they follow Microsoft very closely. So I'm fully willing to put them on the same rank as me or something along those lines. But you don't see it quoted in the New York Times, what I tell you about this case, generally speaking, I, I don't think. Uh, so uh, in this particular instance, we have to treat it with, okay, this is a person that's educated, making an educated, informed opinion, uh, but, but they don't know anything internally in terms of the valuation that Microsoft has for Activision more than we do. Uh, they are suggesting, and I think rightly so, that this could have a more important role than just the instant case. We aren't just talking about Call of Duty. We aren't just talking about Candy Crush. Microsoft as a company is in the business of buying other companies. That's how they have increased the size of their empire basically for the last three decades. And so they don't want to have an FTC that can just strike out and do these things. They don't want to yield to that FTC in order to pursue other business strategies in the future. I will grant all of that. What I can't say is with this certainty, they will fight it. You won't hear that quote from me because I'm a lawyer. I'm risk averse. I don't make guarantees. And I don't think you can make a guarantee on this. But this person certainly thinks that is the case. The acquisition of Activision must close by mid-July or Microsoft must pay as, uh, as much as $3 billion dollars in a breakup fee, yes and no. We've talked about this. So right now it is set up that the deal has to close by the middle of next year uh, or else the termination provisions kick in. There is a very robust, very normal amendment provision in that document that allows Microsoft and Activision to change that date. Move it out a year, move it out five years. Uh, and very traditionally, if you get into a position where both companies still want to do this thing together and Activision has made no indication that they don't because Activision has a whole world of hurt coming to it, even with an extra $3 billion if it backs out of this and has to deal directly with California and all sorts of things on its own. Activision has expressed a desire to continue with this deal. Microsoft has expressed a desire to continue with this deal. Generally speaking, you see a one-page amendment. The parties amend this section to instead of saying July whatever 2023, it now says July whatever 2025. Done. Bob's your uncle. You never even had to pay the lawyers, maybe, depending on what kind of counsel you have. I'd lied. The council is probably going to charge you an hour for that. But hey, that's your council. You're paying for really high priced people, Microsoft. What can I say? The FTC sued Microsoft in administrative court, which does not have the power to stop the deal from closing while the case is pending. If other regulators approve the deal, the FTC would need to decide whether to file an injunction against the acquisition in federal court to stop it. The injunction process could move quickly, potentially handing Microsoft a swift legal victory. This paragraph is really interesting, right? Because this paragraph is built like the analysis that I told you when they decided to bring an administrative action, which is that they don't want it to go in front of the federal courts. This suggests, I know they use the word potentially here, but this suggests what the New York Times is hearing on Deep Background. This suggests what other people are telling them that, yeah, the FTC is avoiding federal court because of the weakness of this case. And while I think this goes a little bit too far, 
it would surprise me a lot if even with a European and a United Kingdom approval, Microsoft and Activision just decided to close over the fact that there was pending FTC litigation. That would surprise me. So I don't see that happening. And yet the New York Times is reporting it accurately. They would have the legal authority to do it. It's just that if the FTC were to win at the end of the day, they would have to unwind that, which can increase the, the, the problems, the money spent exponentially. Once you started to combine those enterprises, once potentially you fired divisions, right? I don't know that's not a, a fun part of saying this, but there will be redundancies across a merger of this size. Once you've started to take those steps, it becomes enormously more logistically and resource and money intensive to, to unwind that. So it would be a question. It'd be interesting to see play out. And you have had places talk about the fact that the administrative court proceeding doesn't actually allow the FTC to just straight up block it. They don't have that authority. They'd have to go ask a federal court to do it for them. It's just not the case, I don't think, that these two companies would close over it. But who knows? I Just like I can't guarantee they'll fight it, I can't guarantee they wouldn't say, you know what? Forget it. We've won what would have been told as the difficult ones, the European Union and the, and the United Kingdom. Uh, before this, we've won them, so we're just going to close. Now, maybe that's angels on the head of the pin because that's not going to happen. But I wouldn't necessarily report it exactly as the way New York Times did here. Now, the FTC declined to comment on anything we just reported on. But Holly Vidova, the director of their Bureau of Competition, said the agency is always willing to consider proposals from companies looking to settle antitrust concerns. We're always listening. And honestly, that's the way that a federal government agency should sound, has to sound. They can be dissatisfied with those proposals, but they should always be listening to the possibility that there's a cheaper, more efficient way to deal with an issue like Microsoft times Activision than going through an expensive litigation. Uh, and so they say that. And yet there's a quote that we'll see in just a minute that is suggestive of that potentially not being the case. Uh, they also have some additional information here from The New York Times. Uh, Microsoft has hired Beth Wilkinson, who prosecuted the 1995 Oklahoma City bombing cases before becoming one of America's premier corporate litigators to argue on its behalf before the FTC in-house court. So Microsoft is arming up with litigation specialists with FTC experience. Uh, they give a little bit of this history about Brad Smith, who walked into interviews in 2001 with Microsoft, uh, saying it is time to make peace with regulators and competitors. And his decades-long efforts to make Microsoft look a little bit more white nighty, a little bit more nice guy. Uh, globally, Mr. Smith has presented Microsoft as a friendly giant willing to work with skeptical lawmakers. And they point out here that Mr. Smith maintains powerful relationships in Washington a bundler for President Biden's campaign. So he collects donations to get President Biden elected a few years back. He attended a White House state dinner for the French President Emmanuel Macron. I know I got that wrong. I apologize, French people in chat. Just days before the FTC sued to block the Activision deal. Now, if you are anti-Microsoft or anti-corporation, and let's be honest, any given day, who isn't? Uh, you can look at something like this and say, oh my God, they employ someone that directly bundled uh, donations for the president of the United States. Okay. <laughs> and I don't really blame you, right? I'm not going to sit here and, and blame you for looking at that saying, wow, corporate political lobbying. Ugh. <laughs> but as you can see, there's a certain usefulness in that role as it stands right this second. Mr. Smith said things moved quickly in the final weeks before Microsoft was sued. When FTC staff met with Microsoft's team, it became clear that the agency had serious concerns. He says, remember, we did have questions as this was all clearly cascading at the end of November and the front of December. Uh, and the question was, you know, is this real? Is, are they getting these notes that the FTC 
has an issue. This is when you see the Wall Street Journal opinion editorial piece from Mr. Smith. This is when you see them sign the deal with Nintendo and just a general public relations blitz. Which if you look up PR Blitz, the video we did in this playlist that talks about this particular period of time. Now, he has a quote here that pretty much goes against what we just heard from the FTC director of the competition side. Our team, Microsoft, asked, could we discuss a settlement proposal? And the staff said, not with us. So the FTC, and we saw this in the earlier New York Times piece. So the New York Times has some sources uh, at, at the FTC, it would seem, uh, where uh, the CWA president was being told by the FTC, well, you don't have to believe corporate contracts and, and we don't believe them. You get a quote like this. Can we discuss a proposal? What is it that you're looking to settle? And they say, not with us. You start to get this image in your head of the FTC being blowhards and just saying, we're, we're, we're taking this on. Uh, whether that's depending on how cynical you are for the public relations side of things, because we think this is a legitimate concern. I will leave that to you all. But the FTC continues to have these leaked quotes come out that are strongly suggestive of a agency that just wasn't willing to listen, period. Uh, and we saw this with their own complaint document in trying to frame Microsoft as someone that you just don't have to believe on anything that they say, that there is a growing concern in my mind, and it wouldn't surprise me if in others, that the, the Federal Trade Commission, whose ambit of authority is granted to it by Congress, is to evaluate business transactions, not just in mergers, not just in antitrust, but also how things are advertised, that there does seem to be a, a latent, if not patent, aggression towards business, towards corporations. Uh, and that has to give businesses, especially large ones, especially tech-oriented ones, pause. Uh, and that could be an interesting story to follow up on in the in the years to come on this, uh, because these quotes are continuing to come out. It'll be interesting to see if they do as this moves forward. On December 6th, so this is a couple of days before the FTC sues, Microsoft drafted a formal settlement proposal for the agency. Mr. Smith declined to say exactly what it contained, but said it addressed all the issues relating to Call of Duty, referring to fears that Microsoft could pull the title from rival consoles. Mr. Smith spoke to each of the agency's four commissioners virtually for an hour the next day, and a day after that, the FTC commissioners voted three to one to sue. So December 6th, they put a proposal together. They say, you know what? We know you're concerned. We're getting those vibes. We just put a thing in the Wall Street Journal. Here's our proposal. What do you say? I get on a Zoom call, probably a Teams call, if we're being honest. It's Microsoft, right? Get on a Teams call uh, on December 7th. They say, all right, what do we got here? Let's get this solved, FTC. FTC says, eh. And then the commissioners vote the next day, three to one. Uh, and as we talked about from a political perspective, that's three Democrats, one Republican. The Federal Trade Commission can only ever have a maximum of three from one side or the other as the commissioners. And the one person that's missing is a vacancy that was a Republican representative on the Federal Trade Commission that walked, basically saying that there weren't good discussions being had and that the FTC was acting like blowhards. I don't know if that's in fact the case. Uh, I don't know uh, what's happening internally, but there are suggestions uh, that that might not have just been sour grapes uh, from what would have been the minority position on the Federal Trade Commission. There's always going to be a three versus two situation, right? Uh, and so Mr. Smith, again, with the twinkle in his eye, I will always start by asking myself, could I have done more? But what I do know is that January brings a new year. Uh, so you get a vibe uh, from, from Mr. Smith here. Mr. Smith goes to Washington uh, you might say. And that's the New York Times piece on this. This was what prepped me for this. This is what uh, I, I tweeted out about. If you do follow me on Twitter at Hoaglaw, where I said, uh, oh, they're going to they're gonna submit on Thursday, which is basically what they had to do. But I didn't know whether they would hit that time frame. The Microsoft response winds up coming into my DMs 
Hello, everybody. Uh, and messages, and I, I want to say about 9 p.m., give or take. Uh, last night, I let people know we're going to talk about it today. And I, I think I think we should talk about it today. Before we do, I want to give a uh, shout out to Raiden Blade here. Season's greetings, Hogue, to you and your family. Season's greetings to you, Raiden. Raiden? I never know which way people want to pronounce that. I really appreciate the super chat and the support of the channel. Now, I wanted to get that kind of coverage out of the way because I think this New York Times article is important. And I think we will continue to see this deal be treated as important and reportable by places like the New York Times, by places like the Washington Post, really big outlets here. So we're going to continue to try to follow that here in virtual legality because uh, this is a good article. It does a little bit too much puffing around Mr. Smith and that kind of thing for my liking. Reasonable minds can differ there. Uh, but I want to follow it because it does set the stage uh, for what winds up being uh, a very interesting uh, set of documents. Okay, so first and foremost, we have to start out with the baseline lawsuit, right? So this is the United States of America before the Federal Trade Commission. You can go check out. We have covered this lawsuit at length in this space, in virtual legality. But the reason I'm, I have this highlighted, we're not going to read through it again or anything, is to note two things. As I mentioned at the top of this video, one, uh, this is about suing Microsoft and Activision Blizzard, both. So they're both respondents. They both can put an answer document together. We'll see this good cop, bad cop kind of dynamic play out here. But also, the, the notion of an answer document is to go through each of these provisions and essentially say what you can agree to. Okay, so they're going to assert some facts and you can say, oh yeah, well, we do make an Xbox. Um, we are called Microsoft. Xbox is a game division. We do have a game called Halo that lawyers have to go through every paragraph and tell the court what isn't even being challenged. What can we take as both sides agree that this is a truth? Now, part of this answer and defense process is that you don't have to litigate your case here. So we're going to take a look at the language in these answers. But one of the things that Microsoft doesn't have to do is it doesn't have to say that this theory of law is wrong. They can just say that's a legal theory. We don't have to answer that. That's not the purpose of the answer document. So with that as our background, we're going to take a look at this. We're going to take a look at any paragraphs that pop out that they reference that we have something good to talk about. And both of these documents on the Microsoft and Activision side are going to have executive summary type things at the top. What we set, what we call introduction here from Microsoft and what a number of different people can call different things. Let's start out with the rules because we love rules here in virtual legality, right? Rules are fun. That's what Xmas is all about. Pursuant to Rule 312 of the Federal Trade Commission's Rules of Practice for Adjudicative Proceedings, Respondent Microsoft Corp, by and through its undersigned counsel, hereby follows the following answer to the Commission's administrative complaint against Microsoft. A lot of lawyer words to say, here's Microsoft's answer. Now, in Rule 312, we can look at what's important here. And I know a number of people asked about timing. Uh, the adjudicative procedure here moves fast. Uh, so they filed their complaint on December 8th as we heard say in the New York Times. And then you see here Rule 312, which is a rule promulgated, created by the Federal Trade Commission itself, says a respondent shall file an answer within 14 days after being served with a complaint. You have two weeks to file an answer to this very important $70 billion transaction that we have just accused you of violating the laws by trying to consummate. And here is our weapon with which we do so. Failure of the respondent to file an answer within the time period provided shall be deemed to constitute a waiver of the respondent's right to appear and contest the allegations of the complaint. If you do not get us paperwork within 14 days, it will be deemed to have defaulted and we can do whatever it is that we said we were going to do against you in our initial complaint document. And to authorize the commission without further notice 
to the respondent to find the facts to be as alleged in the complaint and to enter a final decision containing appropriate findings and conclusions and a final order disposing of the proceeding. So as I said earlier on, this is not what we can take is Microsoft's going to fight this thing. Yes, they presented that way. You can take those quotes that way. You can look at the situation like that broker, that portfolio manager did and say, well, they're going to have to fight this because they can't afford the Federal Trade Commission to just go willy-nilly blocking deals, especially with the way Microsoft operates. You can have all these reasons to believe that. The fact that they filed an answer document is not one of those reasons. There is no way that Microsoft's counsel was going to let them just not file an answer document. This is a bare minimum, a safe harbor. You say, all right, this gives us more time to settle, more time to discuss all this stuff. We're not going to just waive all of our defensive rights. That would be silly. And so both Microsoft and Activision have this response document right now. But that's important because I don't want people to think that this settles the question of whether Microsoft is going to take this all the way. There is an escalating penalty provision that will make it so that Microsoft will look to see whether it wants to pursue this in the middle of January. That's worth a billion dollars to them. And that will continue throughout January and April as they make the decision whether to pursue this on and on. In terms of other timing, I did want to point out uh, that as early as practicable before the pre-hearing scheduled conference, which we'll talk about in just a second, no later than five days after the answer is filed by the last answering respondent. So that's Microsoft and Activision together. They both filed yesterday. So five days from yesterday, which was the 22nd. So prior to or on the 27th, there needs to be a meeting of the parties before the scheduling conference where they will discuss the nature and basis of their claims and defenses and the possibilities for a prompt settlement or resolution of the case. You see this throughout all procedures in the United States government, including the judicial procedures if you're at court, which is you're going to meet, you're going to talk in good faith, and you're going to see if there's any possibility we don't have to spend this time and money and resources to go down this particular avenue. And here it's just an administrative proceeding. It's just an administrative judge. But you have to go through and you have to talk. Doesn't mean anything will happen there. And then not later than 10 days after yesterday, the administrative law judge who's in charge of all this shall have a scheduling conference where you go through all the scheduling stuff. You talk about motions, legal theories. You schedule all the meetings you're going to have between now and August. And that's always subject to change. And the judge has all of these various powers. Uh, and then the last thing is that people did ask, can the administrative law judge just dismiss this thing right now? The answer is yeah, no, not really. So the, the procedure here is that the commission is the body that is doing this thing. And the administrative law judge is actually a member of the commission, uh, that they are put in place to do this administrative proceeding on behalf of that administration, that agency. And so for really big ticket items, motions to dismiss, motions to strike, motions for summary judgment, that kind of thing, you do have specific rules that say those will be done by the commission itself. Those will be done by the commission itself, the commissioners themselves, if you want to discuss those particular issues, unless the commission just refers it all back to the administrative law judge. So the judge might have that full authority, might do that, but the commission is where the power originates from. The administrative law judge is just their person to, to use those powers. So suffice it to say, I wouldn't anticipate anything going away really at the top. Just because it's weak doesn't mean that it dies, uh, but it's, it's not as clear cut. The commission is always the axis of power here. And so they're always going to be able to say uh, what happens to the, the judgment overall. And remember, of course, if you followed us in virtual legality before, that this is all a bit of a puppet theater because even if the administrative judge rules against the commission, says Microsoft, Activision, you are right, this deal should go through, the commission can appeal, and who they appeal to 
is themselves. The commission says the administrative law judge got that wrong. We appealed it to ourselves and we found that we were right. And not only that, that appellate process to the commission itself can take an inordinate amount of time, a year plus, as has happened in the past with respect to these these particular proceedings. And that's one of the reasons this type of proceeding is in front of the Supreme Court right now, was argued last month. We'll talk about that when we get to Microsoft's proposed defenses. So this is Microsoft's answer. Only took us 40 minutes to get here, but we did go through a nice New York Times article beforehand. And this is the good cop. In your head, you want to think, okay, these are the people that are trying to be professionals. You're not, you know what, Federal Trade Commission, we're going to talk on your terms. We're going to say why you're wrong. Well, we're not going to use any kind of over-the-top language. We're not going to do whichever is your preferred, MSNBC or Fox or Vox or whatever. We're not going to do that kind of thing. We're not going to name call. This is a little bit closer to uh, you know the, the, the nice guy version of what we're going to do, as the New York Times suggested. And then Activision is going to come in and we're going to coordinate with them. And they're going to say some stuff to you. We're very sorry. They're going to rough you up a little on the way out. Uh, Ryan, uh, Rain Man, YYC, how much does Microsoft's history of antitrust violations figure into this? It shouldn't at all. Uh, Microsoft, uh, the, the 90s stuff, maybe I'll do a historical video on it at some point. Or maybe I'll do it with Rob. He does the historical video stuff. Uh, is, is not a great analog to this at all. That was a unilateral action by the company. It was a bundling restraint of trade case. It, they got a decision against them that was appealed. It got stayed. It got settled separately. Nothing really affected their actual business operations. So they were known as an antitrust bad actor to some extent. They had trouble with the European Commission and the uh, antitrust division of the Department of Justice. But this is a completely different ball of wax. This is buying video games. And Microsoft has decades of really not getting into the same level of trouble uh, at the United States level. So it really shouldn't. And from a legal perspective, any given case or controversy shouldn't really impact a future one, with the exception of what the FTC tries to argue is they're just untrustworthy. Uh, but uh, it, it really shouldn't impact this at all. Thank you for the super chat. Thank you for the question. All right. Introduction. <clears throat> Prepare the palette. This case involves a transaction between the third place manufacturer of gaming consoles and one of many publishers of popular video games. So you can see I highlighted phrases here in this particular sentence, but we can see rhetorically what they're trying to establish. This is the first line. This is the very first thing judge is going to read, right? Well, this is the third place manufacturer gaming consoles. We're not even talking about a market leader. This isn't a monopolization kind of complaint. And one of many publishers of popular video games. This isn't like taking out one out of five. They're going to try to position this as the big four and things like that. Uh, but this isn't taking out a huge section of the people that make content in video games. Now, you can also see, we're really reading between the lines, that Microsoft is primarily going to ignore what the FTC tries to do with its markets. So the FTC isn't dumb. They know, unlike things like the gamers lawsuit that we also went over this week, they know that the combination of Microsoft and Activision really doesn't represent any market concentration risk because we're worried about concentration. We're worried about fewer competitors. We're worried about any given competitor having too much market power in a given market. They really don't have an issue. There's no math that leads them to an issue where Microsoft times Activision leads to an inordinate amount of power in gaming consoles or video games in general, even popular video games, right? So when we talk about this, uh, Microsoft immediately goes to what is the most obvious markets. This is setting the denominator. We've talked about this at length in this channel and in this playlist, which is that most antitrust 
litigation, most antitrust disputes are going to live and die by setting the proper market because the market is going to set the denominator. That's going to in turn tell you whether the numerator is a problem for the overall market concentration. And by setting that denominator at video games, it's clear that there's there's no problem. There's just way too many. You include mobile, you include PC, you include consoles, you certainly include Nintendo, which the FTC tried to get rid of. And so we're trying to establish, hey, we're third place in consoles. You can't, you can't bring us in in consoles. And Activision is just one team that makes video games. What are we even talking about here? And that kind of sets the stage. Microsoft competes in gaming through its Xbox division. We're just going to call it Xbox because we like brands. Xbox started behind Nintendo and Sony when it began making consoles 20 years ago. So one, we are a historically significant market participant. This is not some kind of fly-by-night thing because the FTC does hit Facebook for trying to enter into new markets right now. And it remains in third place today. Nintendo and Sony, big deals, Your Honor. We're not even at that level. We've been trying for 20 years, and this is an action to prevent us from competing in something that we haven't even been winning for 20 years. Xbox also has next to no presence in mobile gaming, the fastest growing segment of gaming, and the place where 94% of gamers spend their time today. All right, so as we've seen, I call out gamer lawsuits. I call out Sony statements. I call out Microsoft when they make ridiculous statements. This is playing games with this stat, right? So one, importantly to Microsoft, and we'll see this happen again in their introduction uh, section here. Microsoft wants it known that this is about mobile as much as anything else, because there is, if there's no argument about video games or consoles, there's really no argument about mobile. Xbox basically doesn't participate in mobile right now. And so they're going to say, hey, mobile's a big deal in gaming. This is going to help us get in the door on, on that. And they don't use it in this document because they don't try to go too far with this particular document. They're trying to be the professionals in the room on this one. Uh, they are using this politically and in the public sphere to say that they can be the good guys that can break Google and Apple and their lock on their iOS and Android ecosystems, right? And that might seem completely adjacent, tangential to all of this. And it is. But the political landscape here is that the regulators across the world are looking very closely at those two companies and their control of the mobile ecosystem. So Microsoft has a theory, and they've been evincing this since at least February, where they put out their kind of coalition for app fairness, yeah, we're on your side type provisions. And they have a theory that they can present as this deal helping them get enough cachet to start to be a real thorn in the side of Google and Apple, which are the real enemies, Your Honor. Now, the administrative law judge probably doesn't care about this as much as your average senator on these kinds of things, but they continue to position themselves this way for that reason. And with Epic just losing one of the biggest Federal Trade Commission penalty settlements in history the other day, it's clear that Epic is not the proper kind of white knight to bring this story to various regulators uh, and or legislatures. And Microsoft would like to position itself to do that, not the least of which from a business perspective is it does them a great deal of, of service to blow up those infrastructures as well. They would love to put Game Pass on all of your stuff uh, and make more money that way. Uh, Xbox and respondent Activision Blizzard King, we'll just call them Activision, are just two of hundreds of game publishers who compete by providing different types of games on different platforms at different prices, ranging all the way down to $0. It's true. Uh, Microsoft is buying Activision to try to become more competitive in this expanding global industry. Its vision for the transaction is simple. Xbox wants to grow its presence in mobile gaming and three quarters of Activision's gamers and more than a third of its revenues come from mobile offerings. 
And so here, I guess I, I want to talk about just a second here, the, the kind of fun with stats they're doing, right? Microsoft is perhaps going a bit too far. We want to get into mobile where 94% of gamers spend their time today is very easily read as you go through it quickly as if we were to take all the minutes of gaming and then say, let's split those up into where that gaming takes place, that 94% of that gaming takes place on mobile. That is not what this sentence says, but it's designed to feel that way, that gaming in mobile is way more important and nobody can challenge us that we need to get into mobile and, and we don't have a presence in mobile right now. This suggests that of people that call themselves gamers that play games, 94% do in fact play a game of Marvel Snap on their phone from time to time. Uh, and that is not as terribly useful as Xbox or Microsoft wants to present it in this opening paragraph, but you can see what they're doing. Very similarly, they want to frame Activision here as a third of its revenues come from mobile offerings, and we want a place in mobile gaming. Very useful. Of course, more than a third of its revenues come from mobile offerings suggests that just about two-thirds of its revenues come from other places, uh, which is fine. But you can see that the opening gambit here from Xbox is to really focus on mobile. And to mention that we want things more competitive, more competitive, more accessible, more competitive. And so they continue on that ground. Xbox also believes it is a good business to make Activision's limited portfolio of popular games more accessible to consumers by putting them on more platforms and making them more affordable. That includes making Call of Duty, one of Activision's most popular games, more broadly available, more accessible, more platforms, more competitive, more broadly available. I mean, these things don't happen by accident. This is as much trying to contour your messaging as a legal document. And you can see the thrust of what Microsoft is trying to say. Microsoft made this public pledge on the day the deal was announced. Since then, Xbox has agreed to provide the game to Nintendo, which does not currently have it, and has offered redacted to Sony redacted. This is unusual because we're already in a paragraph talking about Call of Duty, uh, but it appears to be some kind of Call of Duty product to Sony and I guess PlayStation Plus at that length. We're guessing here. We don't know exactly what they're hiding. We'll see Activision hide it as well in their document. Uh, but this is in the place where Xbox is going to say, we have made all the offers that you could possibly want concerning the issues that you have expressed to us are a concern, foreclosure of competition through the foreclosure of access to Call of Duty. And so all of this is ridiculous. They don't say that. They'll save that for their buddy Activision to come in with their billy club. But all of this is ridiculous because we're making things better for consumers. And realistically, we really want to get into mobile so that we can really make things better for consumers because there are some bad monopolists over on consumer land. You don't have to agree with that vis-a-vis -vis Apple and Google, but that's the, that's the implied argument. The acquisition of a single game by the third place console manufacturer cannot upend a highly competitive industry. Now, again, they're talking about video games on the whole, as I think is their warrant. That's probably right. That's the best market to have here and maybe console video games in general. But... The FTC is sitting in the background saying, well, we we're talking about different markets. We're talking about subscription services. We're talking about cloud gaming. We're talking about high performance consoles. And we'll see why that falls apart at least a little bit uh, in this very document, even though Microsoft doesn't focus on it. That is particularly so when the manufacturer has made clear it will not withhold the game. You have to deliberately ignore us and, and determine that that is pretextual and a lie in order to even arrive at your lawsuit, which the FTC did, but Microsoft is pointing that out. The fact that Xbox's dominant competitor has thus far refused to accept Xbox's proposal does not justify blocking a transaction that will benefit consumers. You don't have to give any credence, Your Honor, to the fact that Sony is telling us to go walk off a, a short pier because Sony is not the decider as to what is useful 
for consumers and consumer welfare. Uh, and they're right there. Uh, this is this is the point that I was making earlier in, in prior videos in this series, which is that Sony is not agreeing to this deal because they don't think there's anything to be gained. And they think that even if this deal is approved, they will still get a similar deal. And they're, they're probably right. Xbox is shouting to the heavens and saying the math means we need to keep it on Sony. So Sony's playing that out. But Sony refusing to sign the deal shouldn't mean anything in terms of the jurisprudence. Sony has every incentive to go see if they can actually stop the deal if they can get a better outcome than just signing up to the deal. So Sony's incentives are aligned to just sit there and take it. Now, I would offer that Sony is risking something, uh, and I've had this disagreement with people and journalists online, insofar as Microsoft could decide that to make the deal worse or to otherwise cause problems for Sony if they aren't forced to give certain terms to Sony by a government regulator, and Sony, by not at least entertaining uh, what Microsoft is offering, uh, is is putting that up for bid, and, and we'll see how it goes. Giving consumers high-quality content in more ways and at lower prices is what the antitrust laws are supposed to promote, not prevent, which is very true, very true. Freddy Socrates asks, is it allowed now to buy only King for a third of the dollars? So, Freddy's, I've said this before, but the issue is it takes two to tango. There's no indication that Activision wants to slice off King because that doesn't really help Activision or its investors. King is very profitable and it doesn't really have a reason to not either stay in the business or get out entirely. So Microsoft could offer a third, but we don't know whether that's what Microsoft would want anyway. And we don't know whether the synergies are quite the same for Microsoft in any event for just a third uh, of the enterprise as well. So they're, they're making these assertions that mobile is very important. That's undoubtedly the case. It doesn't mean that the business proposition is identical if you start slicing and dicing the various components of the Activision enterprise. So we have to keep that in mind. We also have to keep in mind that in general, we don't necessarily want, nor do the regulators generally take the ambit or purview to decide how the market should look with specificity. They are supposed to look at what is offered to them and decide whether that's a problem, not necessarily get into the business of fixing things on that score. Obviously, there's a great deal of gray area and leeway there because they do divestitures and they kind of tweak things on the sides, uh, but they shouldn't be in the business. And I think even the FTC would admit this of, of deciding, okay, this is allowed and this is allowed and you should do this and you should build this yourself. Even though we do currently have the FTC advancing that particular legal theory against meta Facebook within. So we'll see how the FTC continues to comport itself. Hargeet Shani with a very generous super chat. Thank you so much. looks like we have some codes Happy holidays, happy new year. Here's some ABK games, smile face. I don't know what uh, I don't know what platform these would be and if they are accurate. Hargeet, if they are, that is very, very generous of you indeed. We got Modern Warfare 2 with a code. We've got Diablo 2 with a code. Uh, so check those out if you're at all interested. That is awesome, uh, Hargeet Johnny. Thank you so much. Uh, they just stated, Frady says that it's one third of the value. They stated that it was one third of the revenue. Uh, so it, look, I'm not going to tell you that it might not be, but I will tell you that if you had a series of books that you really like to buy in a trilogy, even if they aren't directly connected, you might not decide to buy just one of them uh, if they were only offered to you one at a time. So it, there are a number of instances where uh, it wouldn't necessarily make sense. And certainly at this moment in time, you'd fight for the whole thing because that's what you negotiated. And you'd have to negotiate a separate deal in terms uh, for a divestiture of something else. But do check out this. I will. Uh, I will. I, I can't pin things that aren't my own. Uh, so Hargeet Chani, if you, if you get a chance to check out those codes, that would be uh, super cool. That's very generous of you indeed. Thank you so much for the support. Uh, Parallax says those are Xbox codes. Can you recognize them just from like the number of entries, Parallax? It's awesome. Uh, so very, very cool. 
Already claimed, but that's awesome, says Parallax. Very generous of you. Super, super sweet. Okay. Continuing with this introduction, gaming is the biggest and fastest growing entertainment industry in the world, says good guy Xbox. Not too long ago, people primarily played video games in arcades or purchased cartridges or discs to play on game consoles in their homes. It's very funny because this has like all of the the instances of 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 a fictional story. Not too long ago, people primarily played games with a hoop and a stick in a cave lit by fire. But it's been a long time since those days, and now we have cloud gaming. But this is a very important point, and I, I don't think Microsoft has hit on it too hard in the past, which is they've talked about mobile, they've talked about making it more accessible. Now they're going to move a little bit into the dynamism of the industry, right? FTC, you want to get involved in this, you think that you see potential problems with future markets. It isn't so long ago in the history of the world that we weren't talking about any of this stuff. You can look at the early 2010s and we're not talking about exactly the same stuff as you're talking about today. So we should be very cautious about interacting with an industry that is this dynamic. Not too long ago, people were playing games in arcades, which don't exist anymore. They were purchasing cartridges, which we don't use, or discs, which most of the market doesn't use anymore. The industry looks very different today. You should be worried about dynamism, Your Honor. Gaming is now more popular than television, books, music, or movies. The industry generates hundreds of billions of dollars of revenue a year and is projected to grow substantially in the future. The choices available to gamers today are growing. Gamers play not just on consoles, but also on PCs, mobile, and even directly on some televisions. Game developers are churning out an ever-increasing variety of games. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Ranging from role-play in complex fantasy worlds to sports simulations to simple puzzles. I want to know exactly what the legal conversation looked like for arriving at this to demonstrate the range. Role-playing, role-playing games sports, and puzzles. (laughs) Next, this is a really important one as well. And I've talked about this at length. Hits come out of nowhere, right? The Federal Trade Commission in their lawsuit tries to establish that AAA gaming isn't quite its own relevant market because they aren't as silly as the plaintiffs in that gamer lawsuit, but that it is important. It's a special sauce. It's a secret, valuable thing. And that this is where all of the value of video gaming derives from is these AAA games that only these few publishers can make. And so one of Microsoft's volleys here is hits come out of nowhere, providing consumers with choices beyond the iconic and treasured games they grew up playing. Indeed, while franchises like Call of Duty and FIFA have been popular for a long time, so too are games like Minecraft, Splitgate, which I think is an interesting choice because I think they just announced they're going under. So I don't know, maybe. We can we can look that up. I believe that's true. Player Unknown Battlegrounds, Clash of Clans, and Among Us, which burst onto the scene and achieved great success despite being developed by smaller studios. I honestly don't know how you leave Stardew Valley out of this list. Folks, let's take a break here for a second because I'm going to rest my voice anyway and catch another super chat. If you had to come up with a list, if you have any experience with gaming, and you wanted to establish a list that said small developers out of nowhere can create massive successes, what games are you including? What games are you talking about uh, to try to convince that this is important stuff? Uh, Let me know as I grab this super chat. I do see a question here. Rick, are you going to talk about the Activision uh, response? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're here. It's it's Xmas party day. We're going to talk about the Activision response because that's the bad cop. That's the bad cop. If you missed the top of this video, we've got a good cop, bad cop set of responses here. Clearly, at least a little bit coordinated. Microsoft trying to be the professionals. We're getting a lot of responses here. 
Let's see what people are saying. Uh, among Us, they included Among Us. Vampire Survivors right now. It's a good choice. Uh, Terraria. Stardew was the first game I thought of. First game I thought of 2X. Like, I don't know how it doesn't make that list. Isn't Stardew Valley on Game Pass? I don't know, honestly. Uh, Roblox. Sure. Now, Roblox is a big deal now. So the, the one problem, the same that you have with Minecraft is like, it cre got created small and it became a big deal. Uh, Cult of the Lamb, probably a little bit too <clears throat> culty for right now, but I like where your head's at. A lot of people saying Vampire Survivors. A lot of people saying Vampire Survivors. If you didn't catch our Thabto with my brother this week, Vampire Survivors is one of his top 10 games of the year. So check that out. Shovel Knight, Undertale, Valheim, Flappy Bird, Hades. Yeah, Supergiant hits big for its size, right? Supergiant's a great choice with Hades. Uh, and, and the other games it has played. I'm a particular fan of Pyre. I don't think anybody talks about it. Not Stray. Oh, that's just mean to cats. Just being mean to Stray. Uh, um, Bayonetta. And Platinum is a kind of offshoot. It's smallish. I it, it it makes the point. I think I understand where you're coming from, Greg. Uh, but I, I I really think if we can hit the even smaller things, you can make this case even better. High on Life would be a good one to bring up this week. Even if I don't love it, High on Life is a good choice for a tiny game making massive inroads. Pentiment is Microsoft. We can't use Pentiment. I know, I know Obsidian has a very small team on it, but Obsidian is Microsoft. We can't use them. But I like where your head's at, Adam. I like it. Meat Boy. I do like High on Life as an option. Uh, Rimworld. Uh, Rimworld is a, is a cool game. Uh, I, uh, I just got into that recently. I need, I need, I need some tips on playing Rimworld. Y'all can give me. Uh, so, oh, excellent choices, folks. Excellent choices. And uh, I think any of those could fall in there. I, I wouldn't have used Splitgate because uh, I think Splitgate is being pulled because I think they wanted to focus on other things, something along those lines. Uh, PUBG, sure. Uh, Clash of Clans is mobile uh, in Among Us. I, they all make sense. I, I definitely would have put Stardew in there. Uh, seems uh, Federal Trade Commission is playing the clock and Microsoft is wait awaits SCOTUS. Uh, I think Microsoft is certainly threatening that they can go the Axon route, depending on how that case goes. Remember, you don't know what a SCOTUS case is going to go until you actually have the opinion in front of you. Uh, so they, they think it's going to go the way that most of us think it's going to go, which is to say that the FTC and the other agencies' powers here can be challenged. Uh, but they don't know that for a fact. Federal Trade Commission always plays the clock. That is, that's part of how the agencies operate in these spaces. Uh, Traria, Stardew Valley, lots of good choices here. <laughs> Hollow Knight. Hollow Knight's a good choice. Uh, that's a that's a fun one that's made by a very small group. Death's Door, Tinykins, uh, lots of lots of fun games. This should just be a list. You guys can all come in here and check out this list that people are giving to you. I like people saying Elden Ring. Okay, from software, not one of the big publishers. So I guess I, I understand your point, but certainly very well known in the space. Uh, Boogster1919 wants Binding of Isaac to be noticed. Uh, Binding of Isaac, very good game. Uh, very tough game. Very interesting aesthetic. Cuphead, Undertale. You guys are still going with these lists. Darkest Dungeons. Uh, Fortnite was nothing until Battle Royale. True, but Epic, a major publisher as it stands, primarily because of the Unreal Engine, if nothing else. Uh, but they did they did make Fortnite work by um, becoming inspired by PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds. Let's say inspired. <laughs> All right, I'm going to let you guys keep going with those lists as we proceed on with the document. Gamers also pay for games in different ways. So let's just keep track of what's happening here. We want to get into mobile. We want to th make things more accessible. You can't actually have a, the industry toppled because it's too dynamic. 
and that Sony's the true leader. Then you've got things have been changing all over the place and we can't just limit where games come from and how the industry succeeds solely on giant publishers because there are things that prove against that every day, all the time. Now we're going to talk about markets a little bit behind the scenes, right? I, I was reading this the first time and saying, Microsoft, you got to hit the fact that these markets aren't real, right? I have talked to you all in this space about the main issue that I see with the Federal Trade Commission's case is that the subscription service market and the cloud gaming market are not separate markets that traditionally, when you look at antitrust law, having the same product sold in different business models doesn't make them separate markets. So I'm waiting for Microsoft to hit that. And they kind of do from the side with this paragraph. Gamers also pay for games in different ways, including downloading, purchasing cartridges or discs, subscribing to services, free to play. They could also add cloud gaming here if they wanted to, although they're wise not to because Microsoft doesn't sell cloud gaming services separately. It's really not a separate market as far as Microsoft is concerned as of yet, as of yet. But they, they include a paragraph here that says they pay for them in different ways. But this has the subtext of that's still the same market. Those are still the same games. A few companies primarily located abroad. Okay, so like the fifth or sixth argument here is those other companies are foreign. Okay, Microsoft, interesting. Activision will focus on this even more. Uh, a few companies primarily located abroad exercise outsized influence in this industry. Xbox is not one of them. Xbox's console lags well behind Sony's and Nintendo's. While Xbox publishes games for consoles and PCs, it has far fewer popular exclusive games than Sony and Nintendo. It's just sad. And Xbox has almost no presence in mobile, which is the largest and fastest growing segment of gaming. So we've got companies that are located abroad. And again, Xbox is a sad sack. And I know this sounds funny, but they are trying to present that because it's important. If we are a sad sack and we're trying to spend money to compete, we should get the advantages, not the disadvantages of an antitrust look at. We should be saying, okay, yes, government should be in favor of this company, American company, suggests the parenthetical, that is going to take down Nintendo and Sony and Tencent and Embracer or whatever by this investment. And you should keep that in mind. We have no presence in mobile. They have more exclusive. Let's take a look at some charts. You like charts, right, Your Honor? Let's take a look at them ourselves. Here's the shares of Xbox, Nintendo, and Sony console unit sales in 2021. So 2022 is not over. These are the last complete years. You can see Nintendo went ham. People love their Switches. 50% of console units sold, I'm going to guess, in the United States. We didn't get enough, we didn't get enough labeling here for my liking uh, as a lawyer, but I'm going to guess it's the United States here because that's what the Federal Trade Commission is concerned with. Half Nintendo, 16% Xbox, 34% PlayStation. Now, they are playing games a little bit here because this is going to include two generations of PlayStation and two generations of Xbox, uh, one would assume in 2021. The launch of the next generation only happened at the tail end of 2020. Uh, Sony, Nintendo, and Xbox exclusive titles in 2021. So these are the exclusive games. And you can see dominated by Sony, a lot of Nintendo, very few in Xbox. Again, we're sad sacks at Xbox. This is, this is what they want conveyed. Now, the FTC advances the argument that this big red swath should come out. We, When we're talking about consoles, Nintendo is not competing in this market. Obviously, I think that argument is silly. I think that argument will ultimately prove a loser in court. But even if we took this out, you can see that Xbox is not dominated uh, th this particular uh, market segment, let's call it. Uh, and even if high performance consoles is the number, then PlayStation has, has leadership position. Now, what 
the FTC actually wants to do is they want to take the Xbox Series X and compare it to the PlayStation 5 predominantly. And that's not this chart. We don't get to see that chart. It might be a little bit of a closer question. It looks like Microsoft has a more control of it. But we don't just get to select the market where we can try to find power. We're supposed to use a market where there are valid substitutes for the average consumer. And this seems to be a pretty good one for that purpose. Then we look at their mobile gaming revenue shares. I, I like this. Xbox has 0.3% of mobile gaming revenue. Others, purple, 99.7%. If we include ABK, ABK has carved out a little niche for itself of 4% here. And this is what the combined entity looks like in terms of mobile gaming revenues. These are effective charts. Pictures can be effective. I can point out the little ways in which they might be a little bit misleading, like this doesn't appear to separate generations and things like that. But these are effective for Xbox going out there and saying, we are sad sacks. The might of the U.S. government should not be used against us for the benefit of these people with the bigger pies, right? And so I think that's an effective bit of argumentation. But again, they're staying within the lines. They aren't calling the FTC names. They aren't suggesting that everything is ridiculous except by subtext. And they are playing this kind of good cop version of the document. Microsoft is buying Activision to meet the billions of gamers who choose to play on mobile devices instead of a console or PC and to learn how to make games that appeal to and engage them. Now, I think this is probably too broad, right? This line says that they are buying Activision specifically for mobile and at least subtextually only for mobile. And I don't think that's in fact the case. But Microsoft wants to put mobile front and center because mobile is an area that they don't participate in. And it is by far the easiest case for them to make that nobody should be blocking this deal vis-a-vis -vis the combination of Microsoft and King. Xbox also wants to make Activision's non-mobile games more broadly available. So they return back to that message rhetorically. One way is to continue to distribute Activision's games everywhere they currently exist and expanding to additional platforms like Nintendo. That's bringing up the efforts that they did to sign up that Nintendo contract. Another is by adding new Activision console and PC games to Xbox's Game Pass subscription service on the day those new games are released, creating new ways to access those games. Activision has never before put its new games immediately in subscription. And this is a comment that we will see repeated in both sets of responses, which is that the FTC can't go and say that withholding Call of Duty from cloud gaming or withholding Call of Duty from PlayStation Plus or another subscription service is somehow hurting a consumer when they never have participated and likely never would in those markets themselves, even though the FTC says, well, Activision probably would have eventually. There's no reason to believe that. They base it on nothing. And Activision and Microsoft strongly come out against that. Do you want to catch the super chat we just saw here as uh, my StreamYard updates? Parallax Abstraction. Hey, so while we're talking keys, I've got a ton of them in my giveaway library for streams. Merry Christmas, everyone. Hogla, I can't post a link. I'll DM it to you on Twitter to post it here. Should we go see if we can find a DM link of keys? All right, Parallax Abstraction. We could take a little sojourn. It's Xmas. It's Christmas, everybody. So uh, let's let's take that uh, for a moment here as I try to see if I can pull up a Twitter DM, find some keys from Parallax, join the party. Very generous of you, Parallax. It's a little number one. We never know what Elon Musk is doing with these things here. Sent a link. Steam keys for the Hoglaw community. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Let's see if. This is where it would be useful to have a 
producer for these shows is I could do this right now and put it in here. I'm going to put it in the description of the video. Um, and uh, it'll just take me a moment here, but there, there do appear to be a, a number of keys from Parallax Abstraction. It's very generous of you uh, to, uh, to add them to our celebratory uh, video here. So thank you so much, Parallax Abstraction. Let me see if I can just pull up this description. I'll have this ready to go next time. Uh, and we will put this... We will put this right at the top. So, yay, aim keys. All right, I'm gonna link right there. Go check it out, everybody. I don't know if there's a way to mark if they've been claimed, but uh, if there is, please do that. And that'll now be in the description. Thank you so much, Parallax. Very appreciated. Very generous. Let's see if I can pull all that extra information down, get back to the document that we we're looking at. And we did that. We succeeded, everybody. We got through this together. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, yes, and Secret McSquirrel has uh, some, some rights here. So if you can send that uh, to Secret McSquirrel in the future, they are a mod here. Very helpful. And uh, I will try to make that a, a less laborious process in the future, but very generous. It is a link in the description. Go check it out. Very, very cool. All right. Maintaining broad availability of Activision games is both good business and good for gamers. Now, this is an interesting claim. I don't know that it's necessarily wrong, but it does kind of pose the question, if it is, why doesn't Activision do it right now? It has to be based on new synergies. Those new synergies come from having ownership of the console and the Game Pass kind of side of things. So it's at least something I don't say, I'm not saying it's wrong. I don't think Microsoft is in error here. But it does at least make me ask the question. If I'm an administrative law judge or another judicial person here, I'm saying, okay, if that is in fact the case, what changed? And if that change is related to those synergies, is that a place where we can have a different market and you can gain an inordinate amount of market power? These are the kinds of things I think of as a lawyer. And so I did look at this and say, all right, interesting. A substantial portion of Activision's financial value to Xbox comes from business as usual, including the continued sale of Call of Duty, its most popular game on Sony PlayStation. Paying near $69 billion for Activision makes no financial sense if that revenue stream goes away. And they say this a lot, and I'm not saying they're wrong either. I, I would love to kind of dice that out with them at some level and say, all right, you, you might be right because you're buying an ongoing operation. You want it to basically continue. That's where the price comes from. That's where the premium comes from on the stock market price. What, what is the value to you if you were just looking to make this exclusive? If this was just going to be a funnel for your products and services, your consoles, your subscriptions, uh, what, what what value change does that have? Because I tend to agree with you, but I would love to I would love to be a fly on the wall of them getting through these various analyses. Nor would it make sense to degrade the game experience and alienate the millions of Call of Duty players who play together using different types of consoles. The reputational hit to Xbox would not be worth any theoretical economic benefit from taking Call of Duty away from competitors. Here, I'm just going to say that this argument is ephemeral. Uh, we don't know what the reputational hit to Xbox would be. I will tell you, candidly, just between you and me, the, the 1,500 some odd people in the chat, that I don't really buy this one. Having watched the video game industry operate for a long period of time, I think the console warriors would take up their various flags. I don't think anyone long-term would begrudge a company from buying a studio and making their stuff exclusive. I don't think historically we have seen that. 
And while Call of Duty represents something different, and that's what Microsoft is highlighting here, that they're a multiplayer, multi-platform focused game, uh, and that there would be more reputational damage to, to pulling it or pulling future access to it off of competitive platforms, I really don't think it is this, this absolute devastation that would be wrought on Xbox for doing it. Certainly a section of the fan base would move forward and say, yeah, um, go Xbox, go. And I do see people in the chat already saying that that hasn't worked out for him. And I do think that uh, Phil Spencer has proved kind of skittish based on this not going his way in the past, right? I think some of this argument comes from that experience. And we're talking specifically, of course, about Rise of the Tomb Raider, uh, which they took exclusive, was a multi-platform game intended for PlayStation. Now that's in the middle of an ongoing series, uh, proving the second part of a trilogy, and they got burned all to hell for it. Uh, they they were told, you know, this isn't the way that you should operate in the industry, etc. And I think that that's where this is coming from. I just disagree on the overall analysis, and we can't prove Microsoft right. We can't prove me right. We can't prove anybody right on this. I think that the proper scope of this might be to say, we believe this to be the case and are so nervous about it that we're not going to do it. That might be the better way to establish it is just go, look, we've done this before. It burned us too bad. It, it may not happen again, but we're too worried about it. And that's our business judgment. And we're allowed to have that, Your Honor, uh, than to say that it absolutely would be terrible, would be devastating. I, I don't know that to be the case. I don't know that. So we'll see. We'll see. I, I don't buy it as much as they put it here in terms of the strength of the assertion. Uh, but but it's fair for you to come in at me and say they definitely got burned by Tomb Raider because they definitely, definitely did. Uh, Freddy's Sony, we achieved that with less developers than Microsoft has right now already. Your Honor, yes, they are lying liars who lie. Freddy's coming at you strong on the, I guess, against Microsoft side of things. Uh, and so there's, I guess the advancement here is that Microsoft doesn't need this asset to compete. But again, we don't want the courts to be in the business of deciding what you need. We want the courts to be in the business of deciding whether it is that if you do this thing that ostensibly is allowed, right? Freedom of contract is the baseline rule uh, in the United States uh, that bad, bad things will happen. And so it's, I think you've got the burden shifted a little bit there, but it's worthwhile to note. Sony's done better than Microsoft. Sony started first. Sony, I, I'm, I'm fully willing to grant you Sony's better at finding developers and working with them and making them part of the whole that Microsoft has proven to be as of yet and may never prove to be. I, I've sat here on videos and said, I'm concerned. They're collecting so many developers. I want to see output. I want to see great games. And that hasn't really happened yet from my perspective. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, but I don't think that makes Microsoft liars. I think that makes them potentially poor at developing in-house video game companies so far. <laughs> uh, Robedadon202, this is ridiculous. Why can't Microsoft and Xbox just say that this is mostly more mobile and some single-player exclusive and most multiplayer will be multiplayer? Message gets muddled. Well, we're going through every line. Uh, if you go through it yourself, I don't think this is a particularly muddled introduction. I'm trying to evaluate the various arguments I see because they all have different ingredients in these various paragraphs. I would not classify this as muddled. It's primarily mobile super important. We're increasing access to things. How can that be anti-competitive? And yes, Sony and Nintendo are better at us than this. So how could you actually kill our ability to compete with them through the, the powerful force of the FTC. That, that's the broad strokes here. Uh, the reputational hint is kind of a side passage. I, they're trying to establish they wouldn't have an incentive to take it down as a fight against the economics. I think their economic stance is much stronger than their reputational stance. That's just me. It might work better for you. You might remember Rise of Tomb Raider and say, no, 
They're right, Rick. You're wrong. Totally fine. It is therefore unsurprising that after nearly a full year investigating this transaction, receiving millions of Microsoft and Activision documents, and speaking to over a dozen witnesses, there is no evidence that Xbox intends to take Call of Duty away from PlayStation or any platform at all. And we don't know what is in all of this diligence. Uh, but to the extent that we can assume they aren't just abjectly lying to the court here, this is a powerful sentiment. Because what the FTC puts in their document is that they effectively believe that they're lying and they can pull that they have competitive concerns with Sony and that they believe that Microsoft was going to do this because of ZeniMax. And we'll see how Microsoft responds to that in just a minute. But Microsoft has a very useful counter response that says, you're, you're told there's a smoking gun, Your Honor. You're told that we're definitely going to do this thing. Why then in, in dozens, if not hundreds or thousands of internal communications, at no point did we ever suggest that we were going to do this? They are relying on their own theses of what we're going to do. And yet every indication of us speaking internally amongst ourselves says that that's not going to happen. No emails, no text messages, no testimony. Remember, Your Honor, how the Elon Musk and Twitter deal looked like once they got into emails, text mess Elon's text messages. Remember how that looked. That's what that situation looks like, not us. There is one reason for that. Xbox does not intend to take that step. The reason those don't exist, Your Honor, is because we're not going to do that. If that is what you are hanging your hat on to bring your case, which the FTC really is, where's the proof? Xbox does have some exclusive games, which are a necessary feature of any content business. FTC acknowledges that. Xbox acknowledges that. But Xbox cannot afford to take Activision's games exclusive without undercutting the basic economics of the transaction. And, and here is where the FTC, as I've said, got it exactly reversed just like the CMA did, that they said, well, the smaller games like Redfall, uh, Redfall and, and Starfield are uh, a harder sell to bring in-house because Call of Duty is worth so much more. That's exactly the opposite. Microsoft is subtextually stating that here. Call of Duty is worth that much more. That means the opportunity cost of making it exclusive is that much more. And we're not going to do that. That is why Microsoft has offered to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation from the moment this deal was announced. I don't know if it was from the moment this deal was announced. They might have had an internal call. Xbox's proposal redacted and would extend for 10 years an unheard of length for contracts in the gaming industry. This is one of those places where it's like, oh, are they going to bring up my video where I talk incredulously about 10 years being a ridiculous length of time for a tech contract? <laughs> in this particular case, Microsoft is holding back whatever the specifics are of the Sony detail here in a redacted box, uh, but it's clear that it is long. The question is whether or not they're playing games with what the terms are there. And Sony isn't talking about it at all. In fact, Microsoft gets a little bit closer to being aggressive by saying Xbox has made the same offer to other competitors with at least one accepting Nintendo. Sony refuses to deal. Not Sony refuses the deal. Not Sony has issues with the terms. Sony isn't answering our calls. Sony isn't dealing, period. They aren't asking for a better cut. They aren't asking for better terms. They aren't talking to us. Sony refuses to deal. But a vertical merger, which is what we're talking about here, even the FTC didn't argue that this was a horizontal concept. Horizontal meaning that we have to worry about Activision no longer making games and that combination is going to cause trouble. That's where governments usually police this the most. Vertical consoles, subscription services as related to content, a vertical merger, says Microsoft, causes anti-competitive harm only when the acquired input is essential. That vertical mergers are generally allowed in United States antitrust because there are many, many synergies, many efficiencies that can benefit consumers. Now, Lena Khan and the FTC 
believe that vertical mergers are allowed too often. So they're talking to an administrative law judge that's looking unprecedented on these kinds of things. But the Federal Trade Commission itself is advancing a somewhat novel or at least old school, older school than the modern antitrust jurisprudence, look at vertical mergers that says we need to be more cautious about them, even if in the near term or the most obvious term, prices go down, access goes up and those kinds of things. Microsoft is arguing the old antitrust jurisprudence, which I think still holds amongst judges and the judiciary and saying vertical mergers, we don't need to worry about generalized inputs. We need to worry about an input that won't allow a competitor to survive. And the actual claim that you cannot survive without Call of Duty is not only exploded by Nintendo, it's ridiculous. Microsoft continues by saying if Call of Duty were truly essential, Sony would have no reason to refuse uh, this deal up here. Now, I think Microsoft goes too far with that, right? They they are clearly a little upset about this the way this has gone down, and I think with good reason. Uh, but they there is a, a a world in which Microsoft is offering a deal that isn't great for Sony, uh, that Sony isn't happy with the terms, uh, and even if it were essential, it's just too far. And again, we can kind of use our reductio ad absurdum powers to go all the way out into the far field that never would happen and say, Microsoft agrees to put Call of Duty on your system as long as it retains 99% of the revenue instead of 70%. Not happening, folks. But it's not the case that if Microsoft were to offer that, Sony would have no reason to refuse. Sony clearly has at least the possibility of getting this deal scuttled by being intransigent. And so Sony has taken that choice. So if it were essential, Sony could still make that bet. I think the proper way to frame this argument is that it seems very unlikely that if it were truly necessary to exist as a provider of console or other services in the video game sphere, you wouldn't at least pick up the phone and talk to us about this. And that's what we're going on here. Next, we get to the area where a lot of people ask the question when I made my video about the FTC and that they didn't lie necessarily about what they, Xbox and Microsoft had put forth in the European documents uh, approving the ZeniMax acquisition. Uh, Microsoft says, uh, yeah, they did. The complaints reference to Microsoft's recent acquisition of ZeniMax, a set of gaming studios acquired in 2020, has no relevance to the current transaction. Now remember, the FTC is trying to use the fact that Microsoft told the European Commission it had no incentive to take games exclusive, then took games exclusive as an indication that the FTC doesn't have to believe anything Microsoft says. That is how they use it in their complaint document. Microsoft explains what happened in their view. After that transaction closed, ZeniMax's first two new games were made exclusive to PlayStation for one year post-launch. So first of all, and we pointed this out in the complaint, any issue that the FTC has with honoring contracts is complete bunk because to our detriment, we honored the contracts that ZeniMax brought with them to keep Ghostwire and Deathloop on PlayStation for a year. Xbox does, they admit, anticipate that three future titles, all of which are designed to be played primarily alone or in small groups, will be exclusive to us, Xbox and PC. One could assume that that list says Starfield, Redfall, and Elder Scrolls Six. Might say something else in that Elder Scrolls Six spot, but all of the complaint documents and everything else talks about Elder Scrolls Six. almost certainly Elder Scrolls Six. But consistent with its historic approach, distinguishing between kind of single player or at least small group, non-massively multiplayer games, Xbox has continued to release new updates of existing ZeniMax games, such as Fallout 76, massively multiplayer, Elder Scrolls Online, massively multiplayer, on both Xbox and PlayStation, because these games are designed to be played together by broad communities of gamers on different platforms. Now, I have a question for you, chat, and maybe you know the answer to this. 
This makes sense if they are cross-platform, <clears throat> as Call of Duty is, by the way. Are Fallout 76 and Elder Scrolls Online cross-platform? Are you playing on your PlayStation with Xbox players? Are you playing on your Xbox with PlayStation players? I honestly don't know the answer to this question. Uh, and maybe you do. <clears throat> so, yeah. I, we do have somebody saying it, it, it might be Indiana Jones is going to be exclusive. It might be. It might be. Uh, Redfall is really a multiplayer co-op game, not really single player. That's fine, but that's what this or in small groups is for. I think or in small groups is designed to capture Redfall. Uh, so I, I'm pretty sure Redfall is there. If you're Microsoft, think of it this way. The, the various agencies have talked about, with particularity, Starfield, Redfall, and Elder Scrolls Six. You don't necessarily want to add to this list. Uh, and so it matches up to me that it's the three are Redfall, Starfield, uh, and Elder Scrolls Six. Uh, some say they are cross-platform. Uh, some say no, it's not helpful. I know Call of Duty is cross-platform. I'm asking specifically about Fallout 76 and Elder Scrolls Online uh, because I, I don't believe they are, but I'm fully willing to admit when my knowledge does not go to all places in the history of video games, Xbox and PC are cross-platform. Sony has a cross-platform tax. We know this uh, from the Epic versus Apple leaks. Uh, so if they aren't cross-platform with PlayStation, some of the evidence here kind of falls by the wayside, right? So Xbox continues to support PlayStation because they're designed to be played together by broad communities of gamers on different platforms. That on different platforms works for Call of Duty. It doesn't actually work for those games, and it could possibly be used to Microsoft's benefit. We kept them on PlayStation even though they don't interact directly with us, uh, but that's not the way that this reads to me. So I had to ask the question because I was curious. Uh, I'm hearing other people say no cross-platform. Cross uh, so that does seem the more likely to me. Uncle Thursday Gaming with a Super Chat. By refusing to even consider a deal, doesn't that show Sony's acting in bad faith just to scuttle the buyout? Their arguments lose punch if they're the ones trying to make sure that Call of Duty is on PlayStation. <clears throat> I think the political side of things, it, the answer to that is yes. The legal side, it probably doesn't change anything. I think from a legal perspective, Sony's allowed to go and sit out this deal as I've said in other capacities, if we think about it from the Sony perspective, uh, Sony does not have to take every phone call or listen to its main competitor in order to avail itself of antitrust protection, right? If we if we think this were right, if we change the facts, however they might need to be changed in your head to think that this is a close question, then we can imagine any competitor. We don't have to make it Sony if you have bad feelings for Sony or bad feelings for Microsoft or both. Uh, it can be anybody that you could think of in any industry. We don't want to make a participant in this industry have to take a bad deal or even have to listen to one in order to get the benefit of the enforcement of antitrust laws. So I, I think it looks bad politically. Uh, and I think it certainly has engendered a negative goodwill from me. Uh, I, I don't think terribly well of Sony throughout a lot of this. Uh, but legally, I don't think it changes much of anything. Thank you for the question. Really appreciate it. A lot of people looking this up. Fallout and ESO are not cross-platform. ESO is not cross-platform. No cross-play, no cross-save. Okay. Good to know. Uh, Dio Game with a super chat. What do you think this means for Activision Blizzard King Zeni multiplayer in new IP? I don't know. You mean in terms of the development cycle, are they going to be preferring to make multiplayer or not? I think Zenimax Media Online, the, the online portion of their company, is still going to make big old online games. Uh, so I think that's just an asset. I mean, the one thing about this that you can think of is However you feel about Microsoft, Activision makes money. It survives. It got to $70 billion in value from selling games into multi-platform. To the extent Microsoft just needs institutional know-how to make good games, uh, that's still going to be valuable to put on other places. Could they restrict that a little bit? Could they not put it on Nintendo? Could they not put it on Sony? Sure. 
but there's still value to be had in making games for player bases. So to the extent Microsoft doesn't intend to be in the console competitive space for the long term anyway, which I think every indication is that they don't, they want to sell game passes more than anything else. I think that they still have every advantage of just being a good publisher that makes good stuff. So I, I don't find them to be disingenuous on this. It doesn't also mean that they can't find instances where it makes more sense to make it exclusive. So I, I really do think it's case by case because I don't think they came into these massive deals with a ironclad 10-year plan with what to do with these various things. So I'm, I'm a little bit more uh, lenient than some on when they change their mind and their muddled messaging, even though I think that muddled messaging wound up hurting them here on the Zenimax side. Now, they want to say that these multiplayer games, Fallout 76, Elder Scrolls, are the ones most analogous to Call of Duty. So the ZeniMax experience cuts against the idea that Xbox would make a game exclusive. And it is not just the ZeniMax games where Xbox has taken this approach. Xbox has also expanded, not contracted. It's a little rhetorical flourish, because obviously if you expanded, you didn't contract. Access to Minecraft, a similar multiplayer game. <clears throat> All right, Phil. I want a 25-minute YouTube video on the similarities between Call of Duty and Minecraft. Go. <laughs> Excuse me. I know this predominantly just means that it's multiplayer. That's the similarity. But it is funny to see in this capacity. Hang on. Don't laugh while you're trying to uh, hydrate. Definitely. If there were any remaining doubt, Xbox has offered to put Call of Duty on other platforms on commercially favorable terms for those platforms should eliminate it. Well, we're taking your word for commercially favorable. So that's something that could go into the process of evaluating these things. Any suggestion that Microsoft's statements to the European Commission about ZeniMax were misleading is incorrect. Microsoft explicitly said it would honor Sony's existing exclusivity rights and approach exclusivity for future games titles on a case-by-case -case basis. That was, in fact in their document that was originally sent to the European Commission, which is exactly what it has done. The European Commission agrees it was not misled, stating publicly the day after the complaint, publicly as your mileage may vary, since they denied making public statements to other outlets, that Microsoft did not make any commitments to the European Commission, nor did the European Commission rely on any statements made by Microsoft about the future distribution strategy concerning ZeniMax's games. Instead, the European Commission cleared the transaction unconditionally as it concluded the transaction would not raise competition concerns. Now, again, if I'm the FTC, I would, look at my video that I did on this, and I would point out that these are answers to two different questions. Uh, the FTC mostly accused Microsoft of causing troubles by, let's see if I can remember the paragraph here, I think 114 has it, uh, by stating that there was no incentive to otherwise make them exclusive, right? Despite statements by Microsoft to European regulators disavowing the incentive to make ZeniMax content exclusive post-close, after the EC cleared the transaction, Microsoft plans for three of the newly acquired titles to become exclusive to Microsoft. So again, the FTC is in a poor position to try to take on this righteous stance on behalf of a different regulator in respect of interviews and documents it didn't review uh, and didn't conduct and suggest that this one kind of summary statement that Microsoft says there's no incentive to do this is at all bothersome. The European Commission also isn't really examining this particular issue too terribly strongly because it already decided that the nature of the market was such that even foreclosure of a game, even taking it exclusive didn't mean that they would be able to foreclose competition. So there's a whole host of issues where the FTC is at least omitting a little bit uh, by, by state of play here. But Microsoft probably goes too far by answering, okay, yeah, we know you didn't make commitments. Uh, and the European Commission didn't really make a public statement, certainly not in any kind of official representative capacity. A, a leak got out uh, to MLEX. Uh, and then when Axios asks the question, they say, we don't comment on these things other than to point out that they didn't have a commitment document, which we knew. 
Lastly, <coughs> excuse me. I got to I got to get uh, some like let's all go to the lobby music uh, to put on for those particular issues. And and I did see a good point here. You know that summary statement is the European Union's. It's not Microsoft's. Uh, that it, which is supposed to predominantly be based on their filing, their CO document. But we don't know what they interviewed with. We don't know what they said separately. So it does matter uh, there. And the FTC doesn't know either, which is what makes their particular claim here particularly weak. Lastly, the gaming subscription service and cloud gaming service Xbox offers are not different products. Cloud gaming is not separate from subscription services. The services allow consumers to access games in different ways, whether by paying a low monthly price for a broad catalog of games or playing a game on a variety of devices without first downloading it. But the games themselves are identical. So this is where Microsoft starts to poke around. The, those markets aren't real. Xbox believes these alternative payment and distribution models may have promised in the future, but consumers will ultimately decide whether Xbox is correct. These are business models, not separate markets. If they agree with Xbox's vision, they will simply prompt more competition, including from companies like Sony, which already has a successful subscription service without even including its most popular and exclusive games in the day they are released. They're competing with us right now. They're not even offering our value proposition. Sony may prefer to protect the revenues it gets from more expensive individual game sales, but the antitrust laws do not serve to insulate the dominant market player and its favored business model from competition. This is as close as Xbox gets to what we will call the Activision model. Microsoft playing the good cop role but can't resist, Sony may prefer to be greedy, whatever word you would prefer in that uh, capacity, but that's not what the laws are designed to protect. Uh, that's, uh, that's some shade from Microsoft, there is no doubt. Ultimately, the commission cannot meet its burden of showing that the transaction would leave consumers worse off because the transaction will allow consumers to play Activision's games on new platforms and access them in new and more affordable ways. The FTC should get the heck out of here. Uh, and that's the introduction statement. We're going to go through the answers. There's not going to be as much substance when we get there. But this is the good cop kind of thing. And I have seen online some interesting reactions to this, especially from Xbox fans, if I'm being frank, that are upset that Microsoft isn't a little bit more forward, isn't a little bit more aggressive in the stances that it takes. I have to tell you, this is my preferred model. This is the way I operate in law. I don't litigate uh, but when we're negotiating contracts, when we're dealing with documentation, when we're even emailing each other, I prefer this. This is the, the the high ground, if you will. Now, Xbox has an advantage over just one person negotiating a contract, for instance, and that is that they know Activision is going to file a response as well. And so they can rely on their, let's be honest, already some somewhat reputationally questionable ally in this and co-defendant uh, to, uh, to be a little bit more... Hmm, a little bit more strongly worded, uh, let us say. And so that is the choice that they made. That is a specific strategy of putting these answers together. And I think it worked out well for them. I think this is a very effective document. I would have gone perhaps a little bit more onto the market stuff, uh, but they really didn't want to litigate here. They wanted to get an answer document out. And so they did. In terms of answers, so you see, we've got a 37-page document here. We're only on page seven. This is going to go a lot faster than that introduction because mostly they're just going to say we deny everything. Except to the extent specifically stated herein, Microsoft denies each and every allegation contained in the complaint. Because what is an answer supposed to do? You're supposed to answer. You're supposed to look at the allegations. You're supposed to have a concise statement of facts constituting your defenses. 
and a specific admission denial or explanation of each fact that the FTC has put forward. If they're admitted completely, we just move forward with your penalties. But if you're going to fight us, you're supposed to go through line by line and say what's true and what's not. So Microsoft starts with an umbrella statement. Uh, so we're clear. Everything that you claimed, we deny. Okay. Well, that'll do the job. Uh, use of headings and subheadings is solely for the benefit of the reader. We don't consider them to be anything uh, important. A numbered introductory paragraph characterized this action and only asserts legal arguments and conclusions to which we don't need to respond. If a response was required, if you disagree with what we just said, we deny everything that you think we needed to respond to. Microsoft does not concede the truthfulness of third-party articles and news sources quoted or referenced in the complaint. If you've got a document to look at, Your Honor, we recommend that you go look at it rather than taking our or the FTC's word for it. And that's going to be this whole big bundle of answers, and that's going to allow us to, to skip through pretty clearly right to the Activision response. But before we do, we've got, I see some Christmas tree emojis. We chick, Christmas tree emoji, Merry Christmas. Thank you for putting out educational and entertaining content. Hey, thank you for supporting the channel. We chick, Merry Christmas to you. I hope you have a wonderful holiday season. Uh, does this channel have merch for sale? Like a t-shirt with the legend, Reasonable Minds Can Differ. Yes, we do. Check out the description. We've got a merch store with a whole host of things, including Christmas stuff, Christmas blankets, Reasonable Minds Can Differ all over the place. Uh, my wife, co-counsel, Mrs. Hoglaw, who's here in chat, has been making the store an absolutely fantastic place. If you're interested in anything like that, check it out. Obviously, that supports the channel as well and makes great gifts, although they will be a little bit late for Christmas, given that it's December 23rd. Thank you for asking. All right, let's go through this document. So the very first one, I try to highlight at least one of these as we go through the answers uh, so that we can see the various defenses. The, the first thing is, as I discussed, as we started looking at this document, you don't have to answer conclusions of law. So Microsoft says paragraph one purports to state conclusions of law to which no response is required. We're only talking about facts for the most part. Yes, that fact happened. We can acknowledge that. No, we deny all of those facts. For conclusions of law, that's, what the, that's the purview of the judge. Judge, you're going to be deciding these things. We don't have to answer them for you. You can see what it is that they claim. Uh, paragraph two, Microsoft admits that its gaming division Xbox develops and sells video game consoles and video games. So as we go through this, you'll get those. I, we're not going to go and do everything here because for the most part, Microsoft doesn't say anything of substance uh, in this answer section. But you see the FTC talks about what Microsoft is, what they make. And then Microsoft goes and says, yep, we make Halo. Uh, we have first party titles. We offer Game Pass. We offer Game Pass Ultimate. Uh, and they, they, all of those that I didn't highlight here are exactly what you would think. Then you have another kind of defense, which is we aver our lack of knowledge. So we, we assert to the court, uh, they make this claim. We're not the right party to know if that's true or not. Uh, and one of the ones that I thought was pretty funny here was we assert that we have a lack of knowledge over whether Diablo and its upcoming release is highly anticipated. <laughs> Who's to say what highly anticipated is, Your Honor? We don't know whether Diablo 4 is something people are looking forward to. There was a big musical number at the Game Awards. No idea. Could be. Who knows? To the extent the complaint is quoting from documents is another version of their defenses. Microsoft respectfully refers the court of the documents for an accurate and complete statement of their contents. Look, they're going to have ellipses. They're going to elide certain things from either side, realistically. Go to the primary source material. You can't rely on us. We're obviously compromised advocates of what these various documents will say. To the extent the complaint is quoting from one or more unidentified sources, Microsoft re respectfully refers the court to any such source for an accurate and complete statement of its contents. There's a couple of these where they are effectively accusing the FTC of just pulling things out of thin air. And so the way they do that in law speak 
is to say, okay, you're, you're going to assert about what Activision touts. You're going to assert about what Activision has said uh, in, in and amongst the lucrative video game industry. We don't know who you're even referring to. So if this is quoting something, we recommend the court go figure out what they're quoting and go and check for themselves. Uh, they don't really have complaints about jurisdiction. They don't really have complaints about the respondents. Things like Microsoft admits that gaming is a part of the entertainment industry <laughs> and that many of the numbers the FTC uses is correct. I'm sure Microsoft would take the entertainment industry as a denominator instead of gaming. Microsoft admits that there has been vigorous competition in the gaming industry for decades, including competition among various video game console makers. And so this is the other way that you, you try to play lawyer with this document, right? So if we go to paragraph 27, it wasn't that the FTC was saying there's vigorous competition. The FTC's complaint paragraph here is since the 1970s, competing video game console makers have periodically released consoles featuring the latest technological advances with a new generation released approximately every five to 10 years. Within the video game industry, competition for sales and technological supremacy is commonly referred to as the console wars. Now, that's an unnecessary paragraph probably for all purposes in this document. But what Microsoft does with this is they decide to use it to say, oh, yes, you are correct. There has been vigorous competition here. And we assert our lack of knowledge on everything else. Uh, but yes, very vigorous, in fact. Microsoft admits that Xbox, Sony, and Nintendo all currently offer competing game consoles. Now, that's an interesting one. You see the Nintendo reference. That's obviously a point of significant contention. Where does that spring from? Well, paragraph 80, 28 here from the Federal Trade Commission is talking about PlayStation and Xbox being in a different market segment that doesn't really exist, and that the Nintendo Switch isn't in that market segment. So Microsoft flips it on its head and says, yes, you're right. All three of us do have gaming consoles. Why do you ask? So this is the game that you play. None of this is important to the overall kind of direction that the lawsuit will go or, or the ultimate determination. But I just want to flag that this is kind of how things work. You try to find places where you can say what you want to say for the purposes of your case as part of responding to these answers. So when the FTC is trying to make a separation between Nintendo and other things, you do get references like, hey, the Series X is the faster, more powerful model, says Microsoft. The Series S is a simpler and more affordable model. Microsoft admits that it tracks the performance of its Xbox consoles relative to other gaming consoles on the market. We are not otherwise going to admit to you saying that we track Sony more closely. Microsoft admits that different consoles have different technical specifications, including varied graphical processing capabilities. That the Nintendo Switch console allows portable handheld use and that the Nintendo Switch console and Xbox Series S are less expensive than the X and 5. Microsoft denies everything else. Right? And if you remember what's happening in the FTC complaint, they're trying to establish that Nintendo is not a part of the market. So Microsoft is taking every instance to combine them and agree in the way that it can to also suggest that Nintendo Switch is an active player in the video game market and industry, which is great lawyering. This is exactly what it should be doing, but you see the kind of repost and volley and whatever other metaphor you'd like to use. Microsoft admits that gamers have purchased and continue to purchase games through a buy-to-play model purchasing either physical or digital copies of individual games. They admit that Game Pass had 10 million subscribers in 2020 and 25 million subscribers in 2022. It's very successful for them. Microsoft admits that video games are typically downloaded and that at least since 2013, companies have also offered cloud gaming services. Now, they use this year, of course, because that's not when xCloud is in operation. There are competitors there that are doing cloud gaming at the same time. That raises that question and the answer itself. Microsoft admits that cloud gaming has the potential to broaden access by gaming. Uh, by expanding the universe of devices that can play games. A lot of stuff that just really isn't terribly responsive. Now, interestingly enough, I joked about it in the FTC complaint because I personally had not heard Activision, EA, Take-Two, and Ubisoft referred to as the big four. Microsoft admits that some folks call them the big four, sometimes referred to it. And with Epic, they are sometimes referred to as the big four plus Epic. So there you go. At least Microsoft calls them that.
They might be the only ones. I don't know. Microsoft admits that Halo Infinite was in production for X years and cost approximately X million to produce. So at least the FTC got that right. They didn't deny this. We just don't get to know how many years and how many millions of dollars did it cost to produce a Halo Infinite. Microsoft admits that it is valuable to have a variety of content available on Xbox and the Game Pass. Microsoft admits that gaming companies may make some titles exclusive to some platforms. Uh, Microsoft admits that the size of a platform's player base may be one of many factors used in negotiations with publishers and developers. A lot of other stuff that really isn't that important. We've got another conclusions of law, and I highlighted it here because we're in relevant markets. We're in the place that is the most important aspect of their complaint. And you basically won't see any answers here because these are all assertions of law. These are all determinations to be made by the judge. So almost all of these responses will look identical. Microsoft admits that the proposed acquisition will result in a combined firm. Thank you, Microsoft. Everything else is, uh, okay, conclusions of law, conclusions of law, conclusions of law. Microsoft admits that Xbox, Sony, and Nintendo all currently offer competing gaming consoles, right? Which is not what the FTC asserted. Paragraph 66 is where they tried desperately to say Nintendo is not a part of the high performance console market. And what does Microsoft respond? Oh, well, we see references to Xbox, Sony, Nintendo. Oh, yeah, we admit that those are all competitive gaming consoles. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, and so they, they're doing their best. The Xbox Series X and PlayStation are both priced higher than the Series S and Nintendo Switch. We'll combine them when we see that we can. We admit that console competitors offer overlapping gaming content. Again, good cop version of all of this. We admit, yes, very much. We're disagreeing with you, obviously, but we, we admit Nintendo is a part of all of this. Microsoft admits that it has a multi-game subscription service known as Xbox Game Pass, which has three offerings and gives gamers access to a catalog of hundreds of games. Microsoft admits that gaming companies compete to improve their platforms, that Xbox is working to develop Game Pass into a better multi-game subscription service, and that Microsoft attempts to provide its users with a varied and rotating catalog of games. Everything you're accusing us of is what some might call competition, so we'll admit to all of it. Microsoft admits that multi-game and subscription services are a different way to pay for games than the traditional buy-to-play model, and that for some customers, the multi-game subscription model may be cheaper than the buy-to-play model in some circumstances. Most specifically, if you didn't intend to play anything that isn't otherwise available on Game Pass, well, then it's going to be cheaper than buying all of those things. Uh, but you can you can see here the FTC is not going to be talking about whether or not buy-to-play and subscription services are perfect substitutes for each other because they have to say they aren't substitutes for each other. So what does Microsoft say when they get to this place? They say, oh yes, we acknowledge that many players have different things that they substitute for each other. And so they're they're litigating this claim by not litigating it through the answers. This is very normal. Microsoft admits that cloud gaming may all allow some consumers who are unable to afford more expensive devices to stream games they would not have been able to stream without cloud gaming. We admit that we've made a significant investment in cloud gaming. That's always nice to go out there to public relations folks. We admit that in our current revenue sharing agreement with Activision, who knows, just a block of redactions. And this is interesting because in paragraph 102, we also have a block of redactions from the FTC. And this would be fascinating to actually get to understand. Activision's powerful influence on gaming product adoption is borne out by its revenue share negotiations in one Microsoft's executive's words, Call of Duty is super important. So what Microsoft is admitting to here sounds a lot like Activision has some kind of side letter deal, some sweetheart position that other folks that are otherwise sharing revenue with Microsoft as a part of licensing their game to their console uh, isn't otherwise getting. So there's some benefit that Activision gets. The FTC is trying to frame 
as Activision having inordinate power within the gaming industry. Without knowing the details here, the FTC could have at least a hook to hang their head on, but we don't know. Microsoft admits that this revenue sharing agreement exists. We don't know what it looks like. That would be fascinating to find out. Uh, a lot of, we deny everything, we deny everything. Microsoft admits that it acquired ZeniMax, the parent company of a game developer, that following its acquisition, all released ZeniMax titles have been available on PlayStation, including two exclusive to PlayStation upon release and new updates to Elder Scrolls Online, and that some future ZeniMax games may be exclusive to Xbox and PC when they are, originally, when they are initially released. We're looking at this case by case. We admit to all of that. We admit to all of it. Uh, and then you get to the end, and here's where folks really wanted me to talk about some things. Okay, so we've got an answer document. We also have defenses from Microsoft, uh, and we will have defenses from Activision that'll follow this list in, entirely, so we won't have to talk about it again. This is just where you say, basically, there's a whole host of other reasons that we could have a problem with this particular litigation. So as we put it in legal parlance, Microsoft asserts the following defenses with respect to the causes of action alleged in the complaint without assuming the burden of proof or persuasion where such burden rests on the commission. So a lot of defenses don't have the burden fall on the defendant. It might be that it's just another thing that the commission, the plaintiff in this case, the prosecution, uh, has to overcome in order to win their case here. So this is just a long list. Uh, and it's a long list of basically everything that you can think of, including things that you can't think of. Microsoft has not knowingly or intentionally waived anything that might be applicable. And it reserves the right to assert and rely upon other applicable defenses if we forgot them. And we reserve the right to amend this if it's pertinent. So what is this long list? Uh, FTC failed to state a claim. Uh, FTC failed to allege a plausible relevant market. FTC failed to uh, allege a geographic market, failed to allege uh, any undue share in a relevant market or that it harmed competition at all or harmed consumers. Further, on the active side of things, not only did they fail to do all those, and those aren't really going to hold, so don't worry about them too much. The, comp the combination of Microsoft's gaming business with Activision's business will be pro-competitive. Your Honor, it's not even anti-competitive. It's pro-competitive. The transaction will result in substantial acquisition-specific efficiency, synergies, or other pro-competitive effects that will directly benefit consumers. These benefits will greatly outweigh any and all proffered anti-competitive effects. This is a rule of reason kind of defense, where if you remember going through this with me in Epic versus Apple, check out that playlist if you haven't seen it already, the rule of reason says, okay, you can be moderately anti-competitive. To some extent, being competitive is hurting competitors, but we have to make sure that that is outweighed by whatever benefits actually roll downhill to consumers. Microsoft says, we're going to put it on Game Pass. We're going to make it more available to more people. It's going to be available in a way Activision games wouldn't be available on their own. Yes, if we get more market share, that's going to put more competitive pressure on Sony. That's going to make Sony come to the party and be stronger, hopefully. They can make this case uh, pretty strongly. Whether or not you believe them is an entirely different ball of wax. There will be no harm to competition. The alleged harm is not actionable. The commission cannot provide clear proof that the combination of Microsoft's gaming business and Activision's business would restrain trade in the alleged markets for multi-game content library subscription services or cloud gaming subscription services because but for the transaction, Activision's games wouldn't be on those services, which is a, a logical defense, but a true one. Okay, if that is in fact the case, if the FTC is wrong in its claim that Activision games would eventually have to come to these services then the fact that we'd be bringing the games to those services is a broadening of the market, helping at least some consumers on the margin. And so, well, what case do you have really? That's that defense. 13, Microsoft has offered binding contractual commitments to offer certain titles like Call of Duty. This implied that there's more titles than Call of Duty that they had offered. 
to other gaming companies, including Nintendo and Sony, for at least 10 years, those binding contractual offers address all of the alleged anti-competitive effects. All of them rely on this kind of foreclosure of inputs concept. If we can't foreclose the inputs, how are you not protected? The commission's claims are too speculative, which I have talked about in the past. And then the page that everybody is commenting on, or sending me DMs on at least, These proceedings are invalid because the structure of the commission as an independent agency that wields significant executive power and the associated constraints on removal of the commissioners and other commission officials violates Article 2 of the U.S. Constitution and the separation of powers. So that's saying that the people that are in charge of the decision making aren't going through the proper consent process at the Senate. These proceedings are invalid because adjudication of the commission's complaint by the administrative judge and the commission violates Article 3 of the U.S. Constitution of the Separation of Powers. Your Honor, they are judge, jury, and executioner, and they are only allowed to be, uh, I guess, the plaintiffs in this case. Article 3 is where the judges live, and we can't have a structure like this. Understand that the FTC Act is not new, and that these various agencies in the United States have operated with administrative procedures for a long time. That what we are talking about here is the Supreme Court potentially this summer, we'll, we'll talk about that more in just a minute, changing that, saying that the statutory structure of some of these agencies to allow for an administrative tribunal before having the ability of these parties to avail themselves of the judiciary is potentially problematic constitutionally. This is new-ish uh, as, a, as a line of argument, and this is leaning into that Supreme Court decision. So you aren't properly seated because you're not getting consented to properly by the Senate. You don't have this judicial power. We shouldn't have to have one judge, jury, and executioner in one agency. The commission's procedures arbitrarily subject Microsoft to administrative proceedings rather than to proceedings before an Article III judge in violation of our equal protection rights under the Fifth Amendment. Every citizen of the United States, of which corporations as legal fictions are, are allowed to have equal protection. The commission's procedures violate our right to procedural due process under the Fifth Amendment. We have due process. You are the judge here. You are taking up our time and we don't even get to avail ourselves of the courts, which are supposed to be able to take care of every case or controversy. The commission's procedures violate Microsoft's right to procedural due process, the structure of these administrative proceedings in which the commission both initiates and adjudicates the complaint, violates Microsoft's First Amendment due process rights to adjudication before a neutral arbiter. These administrative proceedings violate Microsoft's Fifth Amendment due process right to adjudication before a neutral arbiter is applied to Microsoft because the commission has prejudged the merits of the instant action. <laughs> well, how could they not? They're bringing the complaint, right? The commission both brought the complaint and is judging the complaint. They must have prejudged the merits of the instant action or else they couldn't bring the complaint. And then finally, the commission's charges under Section 5, which I'm not going over much in this video, but I have in this playlist, which the FTC is trying to expand its rights to assert problems with its unfair competition laws, uh, its, its unfair businesses, deceptive trade acts and things like that uh, are uh, brand new. And so Microsoft has added on a provision here that says their expansion of Section 5 is unlawful to the extent it purports to apply Section 5 beyond the meets and bounds of the Sherman and Clayton Acts, which I think is exactly the right argument here. Sherman and Clayton and American jurisprudence on those acts sets forth the bounds on which you can act on them. And the FTC is trying to reserve the right to say, no, we can expand that through our umbrella power, even though there's a more specific power that is associated with these particular transactions. And so Microsoft went all in on this. If we are afforded the opportunity, Your Honor, 
we're coming at you with Axon, right? And we've talked about this at, uh, a lot in the past, but in back-to-back -back cases, justice will scrutinize traditional limits on challenges to agency proceedings. It's an article from the SCOTUS blog, and I've directed you here somewhere between January and June, probably closer to June, uh, we are going to get a ruling on whether or not proceedings like the one we're looking at, FTC proceedings are argued to be unconstitutional because of the method of appointing administrative law judges violating the appointments clause and the combination of investigatory, prosecutorial, and adjudicatory functions offending the due process clause. We're going to get a Supreme Court ruling on this. We're going to get a ruling on this in the immediate term. And if it comes down the way most of us think it will, which is that the only reason the Supreme Court took this up is to say that these statutes violate due process and violate the rights of the citizenry to go and have redress and seek redress from the judiciary, that Microsoft might well turn immediately around and say, all right, this is great. We're bringing you to district court. So you're trying to avoid federal court, federal trade commission. We're going to take you to federal court. We're going to have this conversation in front of someone that doesn't work for you. Uh, and that might well happen. All of this is Axon stuff. All of this is if this comes up our way, we are reserving the right in this answer to be able to assert this if we need to assert it later on this year. So they brought the big guns. Uh, this is what we talked about. Uh, I think I, I uh, cheekily said on Twitter, it's almost like I know what's going on a little bit uh, when somebody brought that up to me. He said, hey, it's Axon, just like you said. Yep, it is. Uh, and uh, this is their uh, response document. You can see lawyers are getting paid, just lawyers all over the place uh, working on this kind of thing. Uh, but that's their response document. That's the good cop. Before we move on, I want to grab the super chat, which is super, super generous first. Uh, but I also want your comments, chat. We haven't gotten to Activision yet. I promised you bad cop from Activision. If you think this FTC action is bunk, if you think Microsoft is in the right, do you feel like it was a bit too genteel? Or do you feel it was just right? Or do you even maybe feel it's too aggressive? Let me know. I want to get your comments. I've got to rest my voice a little bit anyway before we head into the, uh, the Activision document. Uh, so I'm really interested in, in hearing what you have to say there uh, because I was seeing a lot online about Microsoft being just a little bit too nice in some people's eyes. Uh, and we do have some more. Uh, hopefully these folks are getting these codes grabbed in chat. I've never actually had people just deliver codes all over the place in a video here. I've only been doing this for uh, a little more than four years. Uh, Joe Munger here. Will Microsoft have to show their books if this goes to trial? Uh, it depends on what you mean by books. Uh, so Microsoft has already had to basically respond to everything the FTC wants vis-a-vis uh, -vis this particular deal. The Federal Trade Commission is supposed to be bound to asking things only as they relate to this transaction, but that's going to include most of uh, how Microsoft operates. Uh, so yes, there will be discovery. The evidentiary hearings in August, there will be more evidence that will be required to be passed around uh, as part of that process. But uh, their books is a pretty broad term. So they, they, they will have to show everything that could possibly relate uh, to how they will operate, how they intend to operate, and things along those lines with respect to this transaction. Uh, thank you so much for the super chat. I really appreciate it. Delicious cheats. Thank you so much for the support. I really appreciate it. Merry Christmas, Mr. Hogue. And I think, is that uh, is that uh, Aquaman's girlfriend? Is your profile picture? Christmas tree emoji. Thank you for staying on top of the merger. I am biased though. Go Microsoft. You're allowed to be biased. I try not to be biased, but I try to also announce when I have thoughts on these things from an editorial perspective. No one has to be unbiased on this. Hopefully the Federal Trade Commission and the Administrative Law Judge, uh, but that's not us. 
we, we don't have to just solely be unbiased here, but we can try to keep an open mind as we analyze these various positions. So that's all I really ask of people here. Reasonable minds can differ. Understand that uh, folks uh, can have different opinions for you. Uh, Abigail says, don't forget to like this video. We got just under 1,500 people watching us right now. So yeah, if you could like the video, subscribe, tell YouTube that you're interested. As someone mentioned, we have a merch store. We have YouTube uh, memberships. We have Utreon. We have Patreon. Uh, I really appreciate the support. It's been a fantastic year for the channel. I've obviously been spending a lot more time and resources and energy doing channel stuff than I had anticipated doing in 2022. And honestly, all of that support helps uh, make that make sense to, at bare minimum, keep the lights on and feed the family and whatnot. Uh, so I really, really appreciate that. You all are fantastic there. Some of the answers here on how we feel about the Microsoft statements. Just right, says Andy Drumming. Uh, Alan Penford also says just right. Devon just says love your sweater. You can thank Mrs. Hoaglaw for that. Uh, she got me this sweater actually for our Christmas photos. Uh, so absolutely. Uh, P3 Trans says Microsoft soft on this entire thing. They think. Little weak on that response. Okay, fair enough. Sanity says, seems like they played it right. Uh, see what else we have in terms of the answers to that question. Uh, McLeod says, I can't submit a statement for either of these regulatory bodies because I'm not in the US or the UK. Oh, totally fair enough. <laughs> uh, Hargeet Chani with another super chat. Thank you so much, Hargeet. Should Microsoft have bought, brought up Apple Arcade with respect to subservices since it started after Game Pass and has over 100 million subscribers? I would guess... From a strategic perspective, Microsoft is avoiding bringing up anything that could be Apple or Google related uh, as part of their good guy stance. Um, that's going to be a choice. I think Apple Arcade is interesting. Uh, mobile isn't part of what the FTC is claiming is at issue, so it doesn't help as much as you might think. And any concept of even kind of bringing in the Apple question, I think Microsoft is avoiding for the most part. So it's using mobile as a reference, as a proxy to, if you want to think about Apple and Google, you can, you can see how we're going to be white knights on this, uh, but we're not going to bring them up as comparators most, mostly because we don't want to, how would I describe what Microsoft's stance appears to be in that document? We don't want to burn any extra bridges that we don't have to. So they're only slightly aggressive towards Sony and it's only at the very end. And, and Sony realistically has earned the direct aggression. They're not taking any side swipes at anybody. They're just leaving that to the imagination. Um, I enjoyed the snarkiness of MS in that. Sure, we all agreed that they are. Th those are all X and similar things. Uh, yeah, a little bit of, of snarkiness. Remember, you're referring to another document because they were certainly more snarky in some of the CMA responses uh, that we saw. Uh, Dan, if the Supreme Court rules in favor of Axon, would this scrap Microsoft's August court date with the administrative judge or would it be grandfathered in? Uh, so essentially, it's very difficult to say precisely what would happen because the Supreme Court of the United States has broad authority to, to make any decision that it wants. So we know the overall scope. Axon wants to be able to sue in district court. FTC wasn't going to let them. And we know that the question is, should they be allowed? We don't know whether the Supreme Court is just going to say yes, whether they're just going to say no, whether they're going to say yes to only these specific reasons why Axon can that might not apply to Microsoft, any and all other things. But let's say that Microsoft appeared to have a window to do that. Microsoft could file a district lawsuit immediately asking for, uh, potentially, depending on what the Supreme Court says, asking for a stay in the proceedings at the Federal Trade Commission level and some kind of ruling by the district court uh, on, this uh, on this action. Get a stay, pursue it in that court directly. We don't know. This is brand new stuff. Everything the Supreme Court does is brand new. Uh, so we don't know what kind of uh, rules 
they might put on any of this. I can assure you when Axon comes down, I am very likely to do a video on it so that we can talk through what those rules might be. And then probably with a section that says, could Microsoft avail themselves of it? If it's still ongoing, they could have settled by them. We don't know what this looks like in the future. We do know in January and early spring, which is likely to be before Axon is decided, we're going to get an understanding of what the European Commission and the United Kingdom are going to do, which is going to tilt the various parties in certain directions, uh, even though it won't force them to go in certain directions, as I said, with respect to the New York Times. Nicholas, Friday evening, having mojitos and chocolate-dipped oatmeal cookies. I blame Mrs. Hoglaw for the cookies. How How is that as a combination? Is that a solid combination, a mojito and a chocolate-dipped oatmeal cookie? Have to admit, I've never tried that one myself. But I hope you're having a fantastic time, Nicholas. I hope you're getting ready for the weekend. Uh, and thank you so much for joining us here. We do have some more Just Rights. I'm looking for uh, other places uh, to that, that might have other opinions on this uh, that think it's either too weak or too strong. Uh, Russ says, I wish Microsoft would have been more aggressive when defining the markets. Yeah, they kind of just let that one sit, right? They're not separate markets. They're the identical products and they're, they're not litigating it right now. Uh, so I, I think it'll become a little bit more apparent. And I think there might be a change in votes if you don't think it was just right when we see what Activision did, because Activision is on their side. This is two companies acting in concert. And to me, it's a very clear good cop, bad cop situation when we get to Activision. So you'll see. Uh, Houdini, uh, Microsoft's tone is on point. If you want peace, this is how it's done. You don't slam dunk on regulators already sitting outside traditional antitrust. Yeah, I, that's the approach that I see. I, I agree with this entirely. And thank you so much for the super chat, which is However you feel about their strategy, it is clearly let's not offend the Federal Trade Commission. Let's see if we can still kill them with kindness. And at some point, if they can't, then the swords will come out. Uh, but they're still clearly in that zone said, hey, you had to make a lawsuit. We understand. It's a political kind of thing. It's a political kind of role. You got to make yourself known. You want to make sure your constituents know that you're fighting for them. Hey, I'm a political guy. I understand. We understand. We're going to still get this through together. We've got some ideas for making you happy about this. We've got some ideas to still make you look good at the end of things. Let's work on this together. Let's do it together. Called Weeb, if SCOTUS rules these proceedings are unconstitutional, does that weaken the FTC? Yes, I should say. Uh, it, it won't rule that these proceedings are unconstitutional. It'll effectively rule that they can be challenged. I say that, and that's not actually correct. The Supreme Court could make a blanket determination that every statute that has an administrative law proceeding is unconstitutional on its face and that all those proceedings are stopped. I don't see that happening. I don't. But they could. They have a lot of power in, in the Supreme Court. Uh, thank you so much for the super chat. Hargeet Chani, again, you are very supportive. I appreciate it so much. Interesting on the mobile side, but Apple Arcade is on Mac and Apple TV as well. And those somewhat mirror Windows and Xbox, not exactly, but similar. Yeah, it's a fair point that Apple has tried to put plastic boxes under TVs and to some success and having a game component is a similar kind of business output to some of what Microsoft is doing. Uh, but I, I think focus here is important for Microsoft. The Federal Trade Commission has already bitten off more than I think most would argue they can actually chew. And so I think that focus is useful for Microsoft in saying, okay, let's stick with what doesn't work. Okay, we've done some super chats. How about we, this is what y'all wanna see, right? How about we bring the, the bad cop into the room? You can imagine a meme of, of Bobby Kotick coming into one of those interrogation chambers in like an old CSI, slamming his cane on the desk 
and saying, well, that's all well and good, Microsoft. We'll take it from here. And and what does what does Mr. Kotick do taking it from here? They have some thoughts. So this is the Activision response. Primarily, we're going to be focusing on the introduction here because they add almost nothing uh, to the answers at all. Uh, but you'll see what I mean uh, pretty early on. So Activision starts. We remember how Microsoft started. Pretty chill. Activision starts. This merger will benefit gamers, employees, and competition globally. All right. Good so far. Yet the FTC persists in its ideologically fueled effort to ignore settled law and what decades of experience tells us is good for competition. Two sentences in and you know what you're in for, right? You, you know what you're in for on this. Ideologically fueled effort to ignore settled law. Merry Christmas, everyone. Now, I'll say before I get into the weeds here, as I said, the Microsoft way was the way I generally do things. I like to try to kill with kindness. I like to try to offer honey uh, rather than sticks. Activision, clearly the other direction. This is exactly how they responded to California when they got sued by California. They are going to go all in. And I have really no doubt that there's a certain amount of um, uh, working together between Microsoft and Activision here. It says, all right, go nuts, Activision. Because to some extent, the Federal Trade Commission doesn't care about you. Activision goes away when this deal ends. But you still have the right to answer because you're a named party. So let's continue. The FTC's theory rests on the entirely unfounded assumption that after acquiring Activision, Microsoft's Xbox division will withhold or degrade other gaming platforms' access to Call of Duty games, harming Xbox's competitors in three alleged relevant markets. Its theory fails on three principal grounds. So we're in the first paragraph. We've got ideologically fueled, entirely unfounded, ignores settled law, and their theory fails. Uh, Tim, but bit late, but did the union thing get mentioned? It didn't because it's unnecessary. The FTC didn't bring a labor complaint. So again, from the Microsoft perspective, you want to focus. You want to focus on what the FTC actually brought because honestly, they can respond with random stuff that you bring. So they're not even responding to our, our complaint, Your Honor. So yeah, uh, they did not bring up the unions uh, or the labor side of things. Uh, and I think that's that's the right call with respect to what's happening right now. Now, what, what are the ways in which these three, uh, the theory fails on these three principal grounds? It's not going to get any less divisive, folks. Xbox lacks the ability, let alone the incentive, to foreclose its competitors from Call of Duty. The FTC's conclusory allegations, to the contrary, ignore all available real-world evidence, resting instead on a purely hypothetical but-for world that has no basis in reality. The FTC's theory assumes that a gaming platform cannot succeed without Call of Duty, the notion that a single game or franchise is the key to the continued competitive vigor of the highly dynamic video game industry is facially absurd and contradicted by the plain facts. And the FTC's alleged relevant markets are made up for this litigation and are entirely nonsensical. I told you, Activision was called on to rap on some desks and maybe on some skulls. You just don't know. So let's go over these. Uh, obviously, I think the, the rhetoric speaks for itself, right? Where we looked at Microsoft as coming in and being like, well, we don't think that quite matches what's happening here. You get Activision rolling in and saying, you idiots! <laughs> it's a different tone. It's a different approach. So Xbox lacks the ability to foreclose its competitors from Call of Duty that's not what I would have asserted. 
right? I think technically Xbox clearly has the ability to, to take Call of Duty and make it exclusive. You don't really want to invite that question uh, if you're Activision. What you want to say here is that Xbox lacks the ability to truly foreclose competition from succeeding in the industry, regardless of whether it makes Call of Duty exclusive. The incentive question, again, I wouldn't be asserting that they have absolutely no incentive. I think Microsoft actually comes off of that a little bit in their document that we just looked at and instead says, economically, reputationally, we would never do that. That's different than there is no incentive. Activision instead says, let's go. They have no ability. They have no incentive. The FTC's world is full of conclusory allegations with no basis in reality. Let's do it. Microsoft said we can fight. Let's fight. Activision is excited. So I think it's a little bit more strongly worded than I would like here, but you can see even now between the two documents what the strategy is. Let Activision off the leash. Microsoft's going to be like, oh, we don't know what that bulldog is doing. We're very sorry about all this damage they're causing. Um, we are professionals here. Activision, you know, they're, they're wild. They're wild. And on the meta strategy, maybe even that suggests that new management would be useful. Right? Well, we're going to take care of them. We're going we're gonna to bring them this stray. All right? You should let us do this, Your Honor, because it's going to be better. It's going to be better under our purview. Trust us. <laughs> Second section here. Gaming platform cannot succeed without Call of Duty. Uh, now, I would have probably brought up Nintendo, uh, but the notion that a single game uh, is required to compete in the video game industry is facially absurd and contradicted by the plain facts. It's very strongly worded. I agree. I don't think that there's any reason to believe that a platform or provider of subscription or console services requires Call of Duty to make some hay uh, in the industry. And then this last statement, which is ostensibly what I have said now for 50 videos, which is that subscription services, cloud gaming, and high-performance consoles are not real. <laughs> that Those are not real market segments is exactly what Activision says. Entirely nonsensical, made up for this litigation. These are great points, Activision, perhaps a little bit strongly stated. All right. We're only just getting started with Activision. The complaint and the misstatements of fact and misapplications of the law reflected therein do not pass muster. First, taking Call of Duty exclusive would be disastrous for Xbox. If, S if Xbox withheld Call of Duty from Sony's PlayStation or other platforms that compete with Xbox, Xbox would immediately forego billions of dollars in lost game sales, they would, and cleave off a mashing portion of the gamers that Activision has worked so hard to attract and retain. Also true. Not only would Xbox lose players on those other platforms, but this strategy would also destroy the value of the game to Xbox owners. Call of Duty's appeal is in large part due to the investments that Activision has made to allow gamers to play at any time and with anyone they choose, regardless of the platform they or their friends use. This is a statement that cross-platform is unique, powerful, and something that nobody that owns Call of Duty would want to get rid of. Withholding or degrading Call of Duty on PlayStation would eliminate this ability to cross-play and destroy the broad Call of Duty community that drives the game's success. So this seems strong. I can imagine a world in which... Call of Duty on PlayStation just gets a slightly lesser resolution or something along those lines. Crossplay survives. It's just that, like playing on a lesser computer, you're not getting the best experience on PlayStation. You can still play uh, across platform, but reasonable minds can differ. The player backlash from making the Call of Duty franchise Xbox exclusive would be devastating. And here is where I talked about it on the Microsoft side. We we heard how Microsoft said it. It's like we think there will be reputational harm here. Uh, here, Activision says apocalypse. Dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria, no way out for Xbox if they decided to do this. I think that's a little bit too strongly stated. Uh, this is one of the reasons why I prefer the Microsoft approach to making these statements. And yet, 
you know, they're, they're making their case. Look, if you, if you do this, you're giving up billions of dollars. People are going to hate you. And that's not good for your Q score, your brand recognition. That's not what you want out of this. In a world with nearly unlimited gaming alternatives, making Call of Duty exclusive is not a plausible outcome. Not even possible. There's no reason to believe Xbox would do this. Pushes a little hard for my liking, but all right. With these incentives, while these incentives render the FTC's foreclosure strategy wholly implausible, Xbox has already guaranteed Call of Duty will be widely available into the future by entering into a 10-year agreement with Nintendo and offering a 10-year commitment to Valve. Now, Valve, we know famously in this video series, you can check out the commentary I made on it. Gabe's Newell said, we trust them. We don't need them to sign a 10-year agreement. We're happy to be working with them. Xbox also made a same 10-year commitment to Sony with these redacted terms. These commitments directly undermine the FTC's supposed concerns. You are liars, says Activision, and provide complete protection against its alleged theories of harms. Now, again, if we're being 100% honest, I know everybody's enjoying the Activision response, but if we're being 100% honest, you could come up with a thing that says, all right, even if it were 10 years, what does year 11 look like? If this truly is required to participate in the industry, Xbox pulls it in year 11. Now, a reasonable person could say, well, that's enough time to figure out how to have some kind of mitigating product service or brand differentiator to not get annihilated when you no longer have access to Call of Duty. And I would agree with them. But if we just assume that that was in fact the case, any kind of timed commitment is not necessarily going to solve all the issues here. And at the same time, a business can't really agree to more than 10 years in the tech sphere. So complete protection, maybe not, but sufficient, I would argue most definitely. Uh, we do have a super chat here that I want to grab. I think we're already having fun here. I'm seeing the chat comment on the Activision statements. Riketsu86, thank you so much for the super chat. I really appreciate the support, Riketsu. Merry Christmas, Hogan chat. Merry Christmas, one and all. One and all. Merry Christmas to everyone. Uh, these commitments directly undermine the FTC's supposed concerns. For some reason, the FTC refuses to engage on these proposals other than to accuse Xbox in its complaint of breaking past promises to the European Commission, an allegation that the European Commission itself publicly refuted the next day. As I said, Microsoft and Activision are jumping on this. FTC never claims they broke a promise. The FTC claims that they asserted a fact that they had no incentive to do something that they then did that proves their deceptive quality. Is that angels on the head of a pin? Is that a nuanced difference? It is. And I don't blame Microsoft and Activision for going all in on this, but we are still going to make that distinction here in this space. The FTC's wildest supposition, if you can believe it, Your Honor, is that Activision content would be available on subscription and cloud gaming services if not for the merger. I called this out when I read through the complaint. It is an absolute statement plucked from the air from the FTC. And no reason to believe it, especially when defending a company like Sony that specifically says it doesn't make sense to put big budget games on the subscription service. Activision can easily follow the Sony kind of psychological look at this, the economic look at what to put on its subscription service and say, no, we never want to put something that makes as much money as Call of Duty in a subscription outcome. The FTC alleges that the transaction would harm Xbox's competitors for multi-game subscription and cloud gaming services because Activision might otherwise one day make its content available to those companies or through those services. These allegations are not only facially speculative and conclusory, they are entirely divorced from the facts. Activision's aversion to multi-game subscriptions and cloud gaming is widely known in the industry, says Activision. Remember, this is Activision talking about themselves and is supported by ample testimony and evidence in the investigative record in this case. There are oodles of emails and everything else, Your Honor, that show we are not putting anything on subscription services anytime soon. 
The only plausible but-for scenario here is that Activision's new releases would not be available on subscription or cloud gaming services at all, absent the transaction, meaning that Xbox's plans to bring our games to those services can only be viewed as output-enhancing and overwhelmingly pro-competitive. A theory premised on the notion that Xbox can withhold from its competitors something they never would have had access to in the first place reeks of desperation and is destined for failure. How do you really feel, Activision? Yeah, so this is the nature of the thing. These are the arguments that I think a lot of people wanted Microsoft to be making uh, in their documents. Activision was clearly handed the reins to make these arguments more directly. And again, that's in large part because Activision isn't really the ones that are negotiating with the FTC here. Nobody cares about Activision if this deal is going to go through because Microsoft has complete control of the combined firm. So they can be the rabid dogs here. They can be the ones that are bringing the stick to the party while Microsoft says, oh boy, that was that was quite the slam, FTC. I'm very sorry about them. Very sorry about them indeed. Second, the FTC's assertion that Call of Duty games are a powerful influence, quote unquote, on platform adoption is baseless, contrived, and lacking in any legal significance. What is powerful influence, you mean, your honor? Courts have long held that a vertical merger can only cause anti-competitive harm when the acquired input is essential, and both Microsoft and Activision make this point. I'd love to see some citations here because I think it's strongly encouraged that we look at only an essential inputs for this kind of verticality. I don't know that it's a mandate. I don't know that I have seen this assertion. I'd be, I'd be very interested in getting some more sites here. Call of Duty is a popular and successful game franchise, to be sure. Our games are wonderful, Your Honor. But it is far from being essential or even a powerful influence on consumer behavior as the FTC contends. Indeed, no game or franchise is important enough to make or break a gaming platform. Call of Duty games offered on consoles, PCs, and mobile devices face intense competition from games all across types and genres, and new hit games developed by small studios regularly skyrocket to success seemingly out of nowhere. This is where you would put high on life if this wasn't drafted a week ago. This highly dynamic environment provides consumers with infinite choices beyond Call of Duty. <clears throat> now, I promised you some jingoism. I promised you some nationalism. Let's do it. In particular, China-based gaming companies have been aggressively expanding in the U.S. by investing in U.S. gaming companies. For example, Tencent's 40% stake in Epic Games, developer of Fortnite, and funding startup gaming studios, all while enjoying protected access to the largest revenue opportunity in gaming at home in China. If Xbox were to cut off any of its platform competitors from Call of Duty, gamers using those platforms would simply move to alternative games instead. If you look at this paragraph in sequence, where, where, does, where does the China stuff come from? We don't think it's a powerful influence. You don't need any given game to survive. Let's talk about China and then back to we can't cut off people. What's more, Sony, noticeably non-American, Your Honor, Sony has many high-quality existing games and an unrivaled war chest of intellectual property spanning movies, television, and music upon which it can draw to develop even more games and franchises. If Xbox were to remove Call of Duty from PlayStation, Sony has more than enough weapons in its arsenal to continue to compete effectively. So yeah, that China one really comes out of nowhere in that paragraph. But the point is an important and good one, which is the one that I have made most pre predominantly throughout. Gaming is ultra dynamic. This is not an industry that requires 
iron resources, to make ball bearings, to ship overseas. This is a predominantly digital industry that can have massive success with one-person teams. Traditionally not one person, but even small groups can have a ridiculous amount of success. You have to look no further than High on Life being the most played Game Pass game right now, above things like Apex Legends and Minecraft, to know that this is possible in this industry and that we should be very careful about upending that dynamism. Yes, Epic throws... Epic. See, I'm just used to talking about Epic litigation. I'm sorry, Tim Sweeney. Activision throws in some stuff about you're an American agency. We should talk about what the actual situation on the ground is as between China and Japan, etc. But, yeah. Third, the FTC's made-for-litigation markets defy economic realities, like made-for-TV, right? They're complete fictions. The FTC has invented highly gerrymandered relevant product markets, including a quote-unquote high-performance console market limited to Xbox and PlayStation consoles, as well as individual markets for multi-game subscriptions and cloud gaming in an attempt to support its conclusory theories of harm. Your Honor, they needed to find a way that they could establish that Microsoft times Activision would have some kind of market power somewhere. So you know what they did, Your Honor? You can't, you're not even going to believe this. They invented markets. They took reasonable markets like console video games and reasonable markets like mobile video games. And they said, we can't work with the fact that Nintendo doesn't have Call of Duty. So we're going to have to slice and dice. This is completely unorthodox, Your Honor. This whole courtroom's out of order. But even a cursory view of well-established facts demonstrates that these markets are entirely artificial. For example, the concept of a high-performance console market that excludes the Nintendo Switch is patently ridiculous. Nintendo competes directly with PlayStation and Xbox, offering many of the same games and targeting the same gamer, gamer demographics. Indeed, redacted. What is that indeed? Indeed, Nintendo... Don't know. Nintendo negotiated directly with us in the past for a ultra-brutal, violent extravaganza. I don't know. I don't know what that redacted says. Different strategies of competing for consumer spend, like the Switch's innovative mobile capability, do not define a separate relevant market, despite the FTC's misguided attempts to claim otherwise. Now, look, I love this rhetoric. You can tell from the way I am talking it through, but it is very strong. And yet, they're making some really good points, right? If we are looking at separate markets, product differentiation does not establish them. The FTC actually goes so stupidly in their complaint to talk about how consoles differentiate through technology and price and availability of games, and then just casts the switch to the wind based on technology and price and availability of games. It was absurd when it was stated. It's absurd right now. Activision is correct to call out its absurdity, uh, but it is very interesting to see them do that. Right? The Federal Trade Commission can't just establish a new market when they are differentiating. Xbox differentiates on what kinds of games it makes and sells. So does PlayStation. PlayStation differentiates on its technological capabilities is between the Xbox and the PlayStation 5. Differentiates on its devices and hardware. What are haptics, if not different from the way Xbox games control? What is a PlayStation VR 2? That doesn't make it a separate market. And if we're going to make every system that differentiates itself on technological means a separate market, well, then lo and behold, they're all monopolists of their own product line. That's not terribly useful rhetorically, and we can't impose the laws that way, or it wouldn't make any sense at all. So yes, Activision is having some fun. P3Tran has a comment here on the China reference, maybe is to point out that while they are expanding in the US, they get full protection. Yeah, I think it is to point out that those kinds of expansions have been allowed in order to compete. We're going to need to be able to spend our own money. And yes, there is a bit of Microsoft's American, uh, and Tencent is not. 
In fact, Tencent owning that big portion of Fortnite is useful. I think also I probably would have mentioned that they own Riot entirely. Riot, one of the more successful game companies on earth. Uh, and so, yes, I think it's, I think it is interesting <laughs> uh, to look at this particular argument and say, honestly, Activision is acting a little bit crazy, but they're making some good points. The FTC's alleged relevant multi-game subscription and cloud gaming markets are similarly unfounded. Multi-game subscription services do not exist in a market unto themselves, but rather are simply another way for gamers to pay for and access games. This sounds like a video I did, I think. The investigative record is chock full. You gotta look out. When the, when the lawyers start to try to get a little bit homey, that's when you're in real trouble, of evidence that gamers frequently switch between multi-game subscription services and other methods of purchasing and downloading games. You know, the other day, folks, I was thinking about this and I was wondering whether you could possibly prove that because Game Pass exists, I actually spend more money on PlayStation because my tendency now is to go and check on what's free on Xbox and then buy games on sale on PlayStation. Like that's my behavioral pattern right this second. And I, I'm curious as to whether you couldn't make the argument that access to the subscription service on the one competing console is actually driving sales on the opposite competing console. Would be interesting. You'd actually have to have a study on that. But I was thinking about what I was doing with respect to purchases and that is absolutely how I behave. Uh, so yes, I am. I have no doubt the investigative record is chock full of evidence that gamers do both because they're substitutes for each other. This is exactly the argument that I have made for months that different business models do not different markets make. And here we have Activision shouting it out as unfounded and calling the FTC all number of names in the interim. Indeed, Activision's aversion to subscription is driven in no small part by the substantial cannibalization effect that multi-game subscriptions have on full game sales, i.e. gamers can and do directly substitute game purchases for subscription access. They buy our game less if they can play it for free. I'm sure this is a surprise to you, Your Honor. The FTC's contrived <clears throat> cloud gaming market suffers a similar flaw. Cloud gaming is simply a new and still lacking in technological capability, commercial feasibility, and user adoption. Sorry, Microsoft. Gaming feature that aims to offer a different way to access content not a separate market. Courts regularly reject highly artificial, deliberately drawn markets such as those put forward here. And this case will prove no exception. So folks, let's take a pause here. I know that a number of you said, I wish Microsoft would have hit the market question more. Is that what you were looking for? I think that's probably what you were looking for. It certainly was a lot more cathartic to read through some of the arguments that I've made vis-a-vis -vis these markets from Activision. Very well put, very well lawyered. Uh, and, and argued with, with verve that they are artificial, that they are gerrymandered, that they are looking at this from a conclusion first. We need that denominator to be low. What can we use? And I think the very fact of the matter is not to toot my own horn, because even though I'm a corporate lawyer and lawyers like to toot their own horns, uh, I, I think it is valuable to point out that on January 18th, in those early videos that I was doing on this, people asked me, how could this possibly be blocked? And I said, well, if you were a politically motivated regulator, you would try to establish that subscription services and cloud gaming are separate markets. And I think if you can, I think if you can predict that, then that says something about the conclusory aspect of what you're seeing from the CMA and the FTC, because it's exactly what anybody that would predict, hey, what would we try to invent to get this done? Would we invent? And indeed, it's exactly what I said it would be. So that could also happen if those were real markets. So I don't, again, don't want to toot my own horn on that too much. But I think it is worthwhile to note that if you just imagined that that was what was going to happen, 
this is exactly what it would look like. And I think Activision calling that out is useful. All right. We've gotten through their uh, obliteration of the markets. Uh, let's see how they finish this stuff off. The FTC ignores the significant benefits of the transaction in favor of a warped attempt to ignore the facts and rewrite antitrust law and settled precedent to protect Xbox's competitors from hypothetical harm that has no basis in marketplace realities. So much like we saw with Activision early on in this document and with respect to their answers to California, you're ideological. This is a democratic movement and you are against business. Adding Activision's content to multi-game subscription in cloud gaming where it would not have been available otherwise is plainly output enhancing and gives gamers more options on how and where to engage with Activision content. Activision and particularly its King division will also enable the acceleration of Xbox nearly non-existent mobile gaming business, which would enhance competition in the fastest growing segment of gaming. And the transaction will ultimately expand the capital support and talent available to Activision's games development studios, driving further innovation in new games and technologies. They got more money than us. They're going to make more better games. The FTC's disregard for these benefits to consumers and focus on supposed harms to Xbox's deep-pocketed competitors betrays a fundamental disconnect between the FTC's theories and the antitrust law's underlying purpose, which is to protect competition, not competitors. The FTC is asking this court to protect the world's largest gaming companies from further competition from Xbox and thereby turning antitrust on its head. Blinded by ideological skepticism of high-value technology deals and by complaints from competitors, the FTC has not only lost sight of the realities of the intensely competitive gaming industry, but also the guiding principles of our nation's antitrust laws. Can't you see the flag flying in the background there with, the, with this particular admonition towards uh, the, the FTC? This is their introduction. They aren't actually going to say a ton else in the answers because it's really not that important uh, that they do. This paragraph is what they want quoted in various places, particularly this last sentence. The FTC is a political body following political ends with no specific aim other than to block high technology, high value deals because of their latent distrust in business and the aggression with which they want to pursue the antitrust laws beyond the bounds, beyond the powers that Congress afforded them. And honestly, this is a little bit too aggressive for how I usually try to uh, talk about these particular deals and the way agencies operate. But as I suggested at the top of this video, certainly the way the FTC has gone about all of this, the way the FTC quotes are coming out in the New York Times articles and the political articles of, no, nah, we're not interested in talking with you. Ah, CWA president, that contract doesn't mean anything. You can't trust corporations. A lot of that is really giving me pause on the current composition of the FTC. And certainly the very complaint document that they put forward and the weaknesses therein are suggestive of, if I'm not willing to go so far as ideologically motivated, uh, a, an agency that is motivated to test the bounds of what it is going to be allowed to do and doing it through the judiciary eventually and through the legal process, period, at no particular concern about the cost that that imposes on the actual players that are trying to get a deal done. So this is angry. This is vociferous uh, from Activision. And to some extent, I think it's warranted. Now, I also think it's part of Microsoft's strategy. I, I also think that Microsoft wants to come out there looking like the adults in the room. Let's get this done. Let's not go through this. There are some weaknesses in your case. We have some issues with the way that you framed it. Let's solve this so that we're all winners. Win, win, win. 
uh, and we can all walk away happy and get this deal done and everything will be fine. Believe us, FTC. Sony is is blowing smoke. They're not going anywhere. They're not going to dissolve. The video game industry isn't going to crash if we have Call of Duty under our umbrella of companies. You don't have to worry about that, we promise. Uh, and Activision is, you ideologically motivated dogs, you have to go down. And I think that that is part of a pincer strategy. And I think it's a very effective one. I think it's a very effective one because this is effectively saying what Microsoft couldn't while still keeping on the good cop hat. Uh, and I, I think the points that Activision raises, while stated a bit differently than I would in many contexts, are for the most part entirely true. You heard me talk about some of the areas where I think they go a touch far uh, in their descriptions of events. But for the most part, I think Activision has the right of it, as I do with Microsoft. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to see where we go from here. <laughs> All right. In terms of the answers, like I said, same kind of deal. Uh, they deny everything. What they can accept is pretty minor. Uh, the barriers to developing a standout game are low is one thing that they added here. So they're doubling up on that notion that they present in their document and Microsoft that we really haven't seen either of these parties present in a different context, which is this notion that you keep saying AAA games are important and they are, but you cannot treat this industry like one that requires massive manufacturing or it's very difficult to succeed in because for every AAA game that succeeds, one, we have a AAA game that bombs and potentially threatens the existence of the AAA game maker because it's high risk, high reward in that space. But two, we have some kind of indie game that lights fires on Steam or on Xbox Game Pass or wherever, including right now, Squanch Games is not a AAA game developer and they are doing fantastically well on Game Pass. So I think it's a great point to make, even though it's in the answer document and, and probably isn't actually responsive to the complaints that the FTC is making. I'm just going to try to scroll through this pretty fast. Activision also adds, there's no evidence to suggest that Activision content drives adoption of video game consoles or video game platforms more generally. One of Activision's main complaints here is this notion of Call of Duty being extremely important for or special or magic or secret sauce. And they bring up, of course they do, the Nintendo. For example, Activision has not released any Call of Duty titles on Nintendo Switch's video game console, yet the Switch has experienced widespread success. As an additional example, which I haven't really seen discussed in many contexts, Activision made Call of Duty for PC exclusive to Battle.net for the last four years, from 2018 to 2022, and during that period, redacted, but presumably bad things. Meanwhile, Valve's Steam platform continued to thrive during that period, growing from 90 million active users to 120 million during that same period of time. Call of Duty does not drive the success of platforms. If we're going to talk about verticality, argues Activision, then we have to take into account these data points. And the FTC flatly refuses to do so. I think it's an excellent argument. We scroll and we scroll and we scroll because for the most part, they're just not adding a ton and they don't have to. They did what they needed to do at the front end. Uh, they, they continue to uh, get upset at especially valuable. It's vague and undefined. And similar phrases to that, deny, 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 deny. Uh, and I might not have even highlighted it. They do it a couple of times to say those aren't uh, powerful influences, vague and undefined, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And then they get to the affirmative defenses, which are in the same order and cover the same ground as Microsoft. The proceedings are invalid because the structure of the commission uh, is invalid. And, and finishing off with that same section five meets and bounds uh, question. So that's Activision. Activision, much more the, the, the firebrand press release, bad cop to Microsoft's good cop. And you can see now what these two parties have gone out with pending 
their scheduling hearing, which will happen sometime in the next week or so. And I don't know that we'll hear anything from that. Probably we won't. Uh, but it will be interesting to follow as we proceed forward. That is Xmas. That is what these parties have delivered to us late last night and that we've gotten to talk about today. Folks, I think I probably know this uh, <clears throat> before I even ask the question. I'm going to put up a poll. Which was better? Microsoft's response or Activision's? And you can leave an answer to this poll here. You can let me know. I know that there is a certain amount of uh, enjoyment in the way that the Activision response uh, rhetoric read. But let me know what you think here. I'm interested in your thoughts. I, I, I have a guess. I have a guess at which way this is going to go. <clears throat> so let's say I want to make sure I grab all these Super Chats. You guys have been tremendously generous. Thank you to everybody that's participated both in Super Chat, Direct the Sporting Channel, with people passing out codes here at Christmas time to each other for uh, Parallax Abstraction. Uh, putting up a whole host of things in a in a paste bin file. Just really awesome to see that generosity amongst this community that I love so very much. There's 1,300 of you in the chat right now. If you do like this, like, subscribe, share that we're having these conversations. This will go up in archive mode. I think this will still be useful as we go and proceed through looking at this entire administrative law proceeding to go back and look at the lawsuit and the early responses. I think that'll be important. Hargeet Shani sending the super chat. This is where it's at, Hogue. Activision's response is more like it. Love it. Grinning emoji. This is what I want to see. This is what I want to see, says Hargeet. I get that. I get that. Absolutely, I do. It is certainly more enjoyable to yell out uh, with my relatively limited vocal inflections uh, right now. So I, I totally understand that being your position. Uh, and I do know that we had more super chats. Here we go. Lucius Augustus, are you covering the one FTC member statements that is mad about Lena Khan's delay tactics? It seems like some might not have the stomach for it. <clears throat> so... I highlighted this on my Twitter yesterday. Christine Wilson, the Republican member of the Federal Trade Commission, put out a statement in respect of the Facebook within Meta complaint. It's not this deal, but we're still paying attention to Facebook and within uh, because that is going to help inform exactly how far the FTC can go because the FTC went way far to try to sue to block the within deal. And Commissioner Wilson said basically that Meta Facebook had tried to ask for a disqualification of uh, Lena Khan because Lena Khan had a number of public facing statements against Facebook as a company. Uh, and so they asked for disqualification and that was to be a proceeding that was looked at um, and it has been delayed. As part of that disqualification, uh, they asked for a, a permanent kind of stay, a delay motion on their administrative law proceeding until that disqualification could be sorted. And essentially what the FTC did was that because that's an administrative judgment to, to grant them that delay, is that they delayed the delay meeting, not once, not twice, I think it's four times, until we're right up against when they actually have to adjudicate the complaint, that they're at the evidentiary hearing level that Microsoft and Activision would be at in August of next year. And Christine Wilson, the commissioner, says this is a completely unacceptable way to, to mete out justice, is that you're delaying their, their at least possible complaints about disqualification and need for delay, and you aren't even hearing them until you're just going to roll in to when you get to have your evidentiary hearing, and that's no way to run a railroad. Uh, and so that's what's happening there. And I think that's worthwhile to note because, again, the other Republican commissioner, however you feel about Democrats or Republicans, left the Federal Trade Commission saying basically there's no talking, that they aren't otherwise acting as a commission. It's a fiefdom of Lena Khan. He left, and that's his purview. Uh, and now you have Christine Wilson saying not anything substantive 
notably, Christine Wilson signs off on the expansion of Section 5 as applied to Epic, forcing them to have their voice and text chat off, which I had commented on in my video as going too far, that that's not the ambit of the Federal Trade Commission Act. And she knows that there's going to be complaints about that. She writes a whole letter saying that she, regardless of being a Republican, who you might think is uh, for narrowing the Federal Trade Commission Act, thinks that this expansion is good, that the Federal Trade Commission needs to expand its Section 5 power. So it's not ideological. And Christine Wilson goes out there with this statement and says, this is procedural. This is this is not due process. This needs to be looked at. And I think that's worthwhile to know because the Federal Trade Commission has all sorts of leaks coming out of it and all sorts of complaints and all sorts of things like this Activision statement and all sorts of losses at both their own administrative law judge level and federal court now that is suggestive of a certain amount of dysfunction uh, at, at Lena Khan's Federal Trade Commission. So it's worth watching, uh, including in this deal that we're talking about today. Thank you for raising it, Lucius. Uh, and I really appreciate the super chat. Merry Christmas. The legendary Sage with a $10 super chat. Thank you so much. I appreciate the support. I'm just giggling all the way through the Activision response. Great reading of it in virtual legality. Merry Christmas, everyone. I couldn't not read it that way. If you're going to write it that way, I'm going to give it the full speech effect. I could have done it a little bit more if I had just a little bit more vocal power. Uh, but I could not not read it that way, most definitely. <laughs> uh, Vintage Willow, Merry Christmas. Thank you so much, Vintage Willow. I really appreciate it. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to everyone. We're having fun here. Interestingly, the poll, if you're not voted in it yet, 324 votes in... It's about 60-40 Activision, but still 40% on the Microsoft side. I think if I were to vote in this poll, I would say the Microsoft side, I think it's a little bit more effective to what we can assume is a neutral or FTC-leaning party in the administrative law judge level. I think that rhetorically, and this is going to be a reasonable minds can differ kind of thing, you tune out things if you aren't already on the side of something. And if we just pretend that the administrative law judge and I don't know why this would be the case, but let's just pretend that they aren't watching virtual legality and they haven't watched all these episodes since January. They're coming in without any extra information. I do think Activision is a little bit in your face. And in my mind, I do tend to think of how they responded to California with a kind of unwarranted in your faceness. And I say, hmm, hmm. But I totally get it because you all are here with me. You know how I feel about various aspects of the weakness of the Federal Trade Commission case, and Activision basically touches on them all. Blade asks, can I vote twice, lol? I like them both. No, you can't vote often, uh, but we appreciate your early vote. It's close enough that we can understand there's, there's, a, there's a good portion of people on either side of this uh, that like either version of this. They are different philosophical beliefs. And I think if you want to give Microsoft even more benefit of the doubt here, I really do think they were coordinating that. I really do think they were coordinating that look from both of them. And Activision was allowed to be a rabid dog off the leash because it already worked for Activision's persona here. Ryden Blade, ABK and MS, how will EU and CMA respond? I cannot pretend to know. Uh, you know, some people think that they might wind up a little bit more positively seeing how the FTC is kind of bungling certain aspects of their complaint document. The CMA were the ones that first came out with a certain amount of ridiculousness. So I don't know what they're doing over there. I would expect the CMA to try to block. Uh, but I also have no clue what the European Commission is going to do. Um, I think theirs is a different set of markets than the CMA and the FTC. I think that they will drop their Windows operating system problems. I don't think that has any logical basis at all. And I'll be interested to see which direction they go on that. But I cannot say it'll definitely be something to watch in January and the spring of next year. So watch it here with me on the Hoglaw YouTube channel. Dorian Gray, is it too strong to say the FTC has essentially abdicated their duty to protect U.S. consumers? To go all in to protect a foreign company? If so, so be it. I don't think 
the foreign company angle is true. I think the FTC feels like it has power and authority that the Federal Trade Commission historically, before its current composition, has not used and they want to use it. And I don't think if this were instead of Xbox versus Sony were Xbox versus GM somehow, that the fact that it were two American companies would change this. I don't think they view themselves as defending Sony. I think they view themselves as attacking Microsoft. And so I think that the outside look, which Microsoft tries to add a little bit and Activ tries to add a little bit, I think it's a bit of a red herring. I don't think it's fair to suggest the FTC is just deliberately trying to be anti-American. I think that they're just trying to be aggressive in the use of their tools. And this so happens to be a cross-border kind of influencing transaction. So that's that's where I see things. I do think you can think the FTC is acting out of bounds. I do think you can say the FTC is trying to expand antitrust beyond where the initial statute suggests it should end, as well as where American jurisprudence has already told these agencies it should end. Uh, but outside of that, I don't think you could look at it as particularly favoring Tencent or uh, Sony or Nintendo particularly. Barney Cat, welcome to becoming a YouTube member. Thank you so much. All the members here that have supported this channel. We started memberships this year. We have more than 300 members. That is very, very cool. Uh, and I hope everybody enjoys being a member of the channel. Thank you so much for everybody that donates memberships. Thank you everybody for doing super chats, for just being a great community this year uh, to have these conversations with. This will be close to the 60th video in this playlist, which if you're keeping track at home, only started this year. There's only 52 weeks in a year, which means we're averaging more than one video a week on this particular topic. And if I'm doing my job right, hopefully all of those are of different topics enough, of different subject matter enough that every single one is interesting. I never like to copy myself. I never like to repeat myself. I never like to feel like I'm not providing value because I provide value when people pay me invoices and bills, but you're providing me with time. And I never like to waste anybody's time. People might differ with me on that because they say I talk a lot and that I have very long form content, but I always think that that long form is getting to a little bit more detail and a little bit more nuance. So you can disagree with me, but that is definitely my guiding principle when we talk about those things. Thank you so much, Barney Cat, Mike Pierce, part one. Okay, multiple comments coming in. I believe the FTC and the public at large are being led astray with this Microsoft versus PlayStation debacle. Microsoft's rivals isn't PlayStation. It's, I'm going to guess this is going to be like the Amazon uh, and, and the higher end tech stuff coming up. So we'll wait for the second part of there with, with bated breath. We'll, we'll get you, Mike Pierce. Bosky, thank you so much for the super chat. I really appreciate it. Mike Pierce, Apple isn't PlayStation. It's Apple. And they want the ABK to caramelize King Games in the same way Google cannibalized, in the same way Google Nokia and Apple, Apple cannibalized Beats. All right, I'm going to assume that's not caramelize. So Microsoft's rival isn't PlayStation, it's Apple. And they want Activision to take King's games and use them against Google and Apple, maybe, I think. I'm missing the point here. Try to get me again on uh, the comment. I will, I, will, I will make that work. Thank you so much for the support and the super chats. Uh, but I do think it is certainly the case that Microsoft is trying to tell regulators that they are the bulwark. They are the vanguard that can help crack open the Microsoft, uh, the Microsoft, the Apple and Google uh, monopolies on their on their platforms. Now, you've heard me talk about how I think that's a poor way to think of antitrust anyway. But it is clear that the legislatures of the world, the regulators of the world, think there is a potential problem with the way Apple and Google run their stores. There are very few companies that are big enough and potentially trustworthy enough to go in and try to crack those open. Epic has basically given up the ghost on that. I said as part of Epic versus Apple that I thought there were ways to attack Apple on some of the things they were doing and that Epic was perhaps the worst 
figure to bring those cases. I think that has only borne fruit as we have watched Epic and the FTC penalties and how various aspects of Epic treat social media and their complaints and everything else. I think Microsoft might be the exception there. That Microsoft can go in and say, hey, we just want to compete. We want to have Game Pass. We want to fight against Apple Arcade. We want to crack open the Apple and Google ecosystems and that they can certainly use King to start to do that. Um, and so if that's what you're trying to say, absolutely. Thus, the deal should be blocked. Okay, you're saying the opposite. And this would ultimately be bad for the market. So, so you're saying that Microsoft would cannibalize King, um, much like Google and Apple go and they eat up companies, and that will result in lesser output or worse consumer outcomes, uh, and that should be stopped. I think that's interesting. I disagree. You've heard me disagree, but that's that's okay. I think anybody that has the instinct that says Microsoft is a big giant corporation and we don't have to instinctively think they're doing a good thing, I think that's right. I would never sit here and tell you that Microsoft are the good guys that they present themselves as in each and every instance. They have decided on that as a PR and logistical lobbying strategy more than anything else. But the good news about that strategy is there is political capital being spent. There would be a massive expense for turning tail on those promises. And so I do like to encourage those companies to keep making those promises because they can at least understand that there is a debt to be paid if they turn around on that. Uh, absolutely. So thank you so much for the super chats. I really appreciate that. And I want everybody to know, you do not have to agree with me to have a comment here or even to support the channel. I love disagreement, reasonable disagreement, articulated disagreement is the spice of life. It's how we grow. It's how we consider our own positions. Reasonable minds can differ is not just the motto of this channel. It is my life philosophy. And so I am always in favor of people disagreeing with me. All right, folks, we've hit the end of the internet. It's just shy of 2 p.m. on the Friday before Christmas. I am so, so appreciative of all of you. If you could like, subscribe, leave a comment, do all the things that YouTube likes so much for you to do on your way out. I would very much appreciate that as well. Have a fantastic holiday. If you're traveling, be safe. If you're somewhere really cold, be safe as well. And I'll see you on the next episode here on the Hoaglaw YouTube channel. Thank you so very much and have a fantastic holiday. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.